Order. Roll call vote. Thank you. Commissioner Alexander? Here. Vice President Bogus? Here. Commissioner Fisher? Here. Commissioner Matamidi? Here. Commissioner Sanchez? Here. Commissioner Wiseman Ward? Here. President Lamb? Here. Thank you. Thank you. At this time, I don't see any in-person public comment. Is there any virtual public comment? No, there's no virtual public comment. Thank you. We will now recess um, and going into closed session.
SFGovTV, San Francisco Government Television.
SFGovTV, San Francisco Government Television. SFGovTV, San Francisco Government Television.
SFGovTV, San Francisco Government Television.
SFGovTV, San Francisco Government Television.
SFGovTV, San Francisco Government Television.
As I call this meeting to order, I'd like to make a note about this meeting. The board has committed to spending half of its time at board meetings focused on student outcomes. When planning how to accomplish this, we decided to have one meeting a month as a workshop and one meeting a month as a regular board meeting. Tonight is a workshop meeting. You will notice that we don't have a superintendent's report, student delegates report, or board members reports. There is no general public comment on the agenda. There is also, there um, may also be a focus uh, so that we can focus our time on having in-depth discussion on our student progress and outcomes. We will um, actually be talking about the calendar in the workshop uh, later this evening as we move through the agenda uh, since this is the first workshop meeting. So, thank you, thank you, Superintendent Wayne. Um, so at this time, I also want to give a formal warm welcome to Commissioner Fisher. Today is her first official board meeting. Welcome. I know you are not new to SFUSD, um, but we are very excited to have you join this governing body, so welcome. We will now uh, vote on the student expulsion matters. So at this time, um, let's see. I move approval of the stipulated expulsion agreement of one middle school student, matter number 2022-23, number eight, from the district for the remainder of the fall semester 2022 suspended enforcement of the expulsion for spring 2023. May I have a second? Second. Uh, roll call, Mr. Steele. Commissioner Alexander. Yes. Vice President Bogus. Yes. Commissioner Fisher. Yes. Commissioner Matamidi. Yes. Commissioner Sanchez. Yes. Commissioner Wiseman Ward. Yes. President Lamb. Yes. Seven eyes. Thank you. I move approval of the stipulated expulsion agreement with suspended enforcement of one middle school student, matter number 2022-2023, number nine, from the district for the remainder of the fall semester 2022, suspended enforcement of the expulsion for spring 2023. Uh, may I have a second? Second. Roll call. Commissioner Alexander. Yes. Vice President Bogus. Yes. Commissioner Fisher. Yes. Commissioner Matamidi. Yes. Commissioner Sanchez. Yes. Commissioner Wiseman Ward. Yes. President Lim. Yes. Seven eyes. I move approval of the stipulated expulsion agreement with suspended enforcement of one middle school student, matter number 2022 to 2023, number 10, from the district for the remainder of the fall semester 2022, suspended enforcement of the expulsion for spring 2023. May I have a second? Second. Roll call, please. Commissioner Alexander. Yes. Vice President Bogus. Yes. Commissioner Fisher. Yes. Commissioner Matamidi. Yes. Commissioner Sanchez. Yes. Commissioner Wiseman Ward. Yes. President Lamb. Yes. Seven eyes. I move approval of the stipulated expulsion agreement of one high school student, matter number 2022 to 2023. Number 11, with suspended enforcement beginning fall of 2023 for one calendar year. Can, may I have a second? 
Second. Roll call, please. Commissioner Alexander? Yes. Vice President Bogus? Yes. Commissioner Fisher? Yes. Commissioner Matamidi? Yes. Commissioner Sanchez? Yes. Commissioner Wiseman Ward? Yes. President Lim? Yes. Seven eyes. I move approval of the stipulated expulsion agreement with suspended enforcement of one middle school student, matter number 2022 to 2023, number 12, from the district for the remainder of the fall semester 2022, suspended enforcement of the expulsion for spring 2023. May I have a second? Second. Roll call, please. Commissioner Alexander? Yes. Vice President Bogus? Yes. Commissioner Fisher? Yes. Commissioner Matamidi? Yes. Commissioner Sanchez? Yes. Commissioner Wiseman-Ward? Yes. President Lamb? Yes. Seven eyes. I move approval of the stipulated expulsion agreement with suspended enforcement of one high school student, matter number 2022 to 2023, number 13, from the district for suspended enforcement for spring 2023. May I have a second? Second. Ro roll call, please. Commissioner Alexander? Yes. Vice President Bogus? Yes. Commissioner Fisher? Yes. Commissioner Matamidi? Yes. Commissioner Sanchez? Yes. Commissioner Wiseman-Ward? Yes. President Lamb? Yes. Seven eyes. I move approval of the stipulated expulsion agreement with suspended enforcement of one high school student, matter number 2022 to 2023, number 14 from the district for the remainder of the spring 2023. May I have a second? Second. Roll call, please. Commissioner Alexander? Yes. Vice President Bogus? Yes. Commissioner Fisher? Yes. Commissioner Matamidi? Yes. Commissioner Sanchez? Yes. Commissioner Wiseman-Ward? Yes. President Lamb? Yes. Seven eyes. Thank you. Moving to item number two, report from closed session. In two matters of anticipated litigation, the board gave direction to general counsel. Moving to agenda item D, annual organizational meeting of the board. Action item number one, readopt the board of education rules and procedures. As stipulated in the series 9000, the board shall readopt its rules at the first board, regular board meeting of the year. Thus, may I hear a motion and a second for annual readoption of board of education rules and procedures 9000. So moved. Second. Thank you. At this time, I'd like to open for public comments, specifically for item one, to readopt the Board of Education Rules and Procedures. No cards for number one in person. Please raise your hand if you care to speak to this item. Can we please have that repeated in Spanish and Chinese? Buenas noches, por favor levante su mano si quiere añadir un comentario público. Gracias. Si vos le da, tal vez te lío ahí, te lío, lío que el día ya un día tengo a mafane, digo si tienen que hacer con su último. Thank you. Seeing no hands raised for this item. Thank you. Are there any comments from board members for agenda item one? Seeing none. Roll call vote, please. Student Delegate Hansen. Yes. Student Delegate Kenoshta. Yes. Commissioner Alexander. 
Yes. Vice President Bogus. Commissioner Matamidi. Yes. Commissioner Sanchez. Yes. Commissioner Wiseman Ward. Yes. President Lamb. Yes. Success. Thank you. Moving to organizational meeting of the board, action items number two, election of officers of the board of education. As a reminder to the board and the public, this type of election is by voice vote, roll call vote. We will adhere to the following procedure. Any commissioner may nominate another commissioner or themselves. Nominations do not require a second. A commissioner may vote for themselves. If a commissioner is nominated by a colleague, the commissioner must accept or reject their nomination. Once all nominations are received and accepted, commissioners will have up to two minutes, no more than two minutes, to make a statement um, about the nominee if they wish to do so. Pursuant to the board's recently revised rules and procedures, if no commissioner receives a supermajority or five votes, the board will hold a second organizational meeting for nominations at its next scheduled meeting in January. At this time, I'd like to declare nominations are open for the president of the Board of Education for the year 2023. Are there any nominations? Uh, Commissioner Weissman Ward. So uh, I'll nominate and then may I say a few words about the nomination? Yes, please okay. do that. Thank you, um, President Lamb. I would like to nominate a Jenny Lamb for president and I will do my very best to keep my comments brief. President Lamb has held the position of board president for less than a year. Yet in that time, she, along with Vice President Bogus, have engaged in a thoughtful and deliberative process to refocus the board and its priorities. Namely, providing excellent and, and equitable education opportunities for each and every one of our SFUSD students. President Lamb and Vice President Bogus led the district and the board through a long, intense, exhausting superintendent search where, under their leadership, we chose wisely and unanimously and hired a student-centered leader. President Lamb took on the incredibly heavy laboring oar of identifying, locating, and then securing support to help the board understand the role and importance of good governance in order to actually do the job as commissioners that we have all been elected to do. Thanks to President Lamb's leadership, we unanimously passed a hugely important set of board rules that, among other things, include prohibiting unilateral single board member resolutions and requiring us, starting this month, to post our agendas nearly two weeks in advance. Under her leadership and guidance, we, the entire board, were also held to the task of conducting nearly two dozen community outreach meetings for the first time ever to identify a narrow and specific set of student-facing goals for the district. President Lamb is whip-smart, pragmatic, committed to centering students, committed to consensus building and creating a space for each and every of the six of us here, um, the six of us not including President Lamb, to voice our opinions and thoughts. She talks about her desire for a growth mindset at every level of the district, including starting with, with us here on the board. She's an expert on early childhood education. She's a public school mom. She's the most senior woman on this board. She's also the only Asian American member of the board. 
The current leadership team comprised of President Lamb and Vice President Bogus, both of whom are compassionate, thoughtful, and committed to the district, is a leadership team that I want you to continue to work under and alongside. I also want to make it very clear that I do believe in the opportunity for shared leadership positions and that a natural rotation of holding leadership is generally really useful and a healthy practice. In this instance, I'm simply asking that the person currently holding the presidential baton be able to finish her laps before passing it along. She has not dropped the baton, and I believe that we will benefit from the continuity of this leadership team. As Vice President Bogus knows, I'm a very big fan of his, and I look forward to supporting Vice President Bogus in a seat for president next year after both have had the opportunity to complete a full year in these roles. To my colleagues, I'd urge you to really reflect on how support for President Lamb demonstrates our commitment to walking the governance walk and not just talking the governance talk. We promised each other that we would focus on the work, not the politics or the power or the ego. We promised each other we'd center students first and foremost. We promised transparency and a commitment to stay in the course of governing like responsible adored mem uh, board members. So let's do that. After all, student outcomes won't change unless adult behaviors do. continue with the nominations. Vice President Bogus. I would uh, like to nominate myself for president. Vice President Bogus, at this time, um, I will also open it up um, for statements of uh, additional nominees. Are there any additional nominees? Seeing none, I will turn to you to if you would like to give any brief remarks. Yeah, thank you so much. Um, since joining the board um, in January of 2021, um, I felt really honored to be a part of this board and to contribute and to give back to the district um, that I grew up in and I've been a part of since I was a small child. Um, and I'm really excited about having the opportunity to be nominated, even if it is a self-nomination uh, for the board president. Um, and really, I think what makes our board special is that we have seven individuals that have very distinct and different backgrounds and perspectives, um, but we're able to bring those things together to put students first. And for as important as our vote for board leadership is, the most important work that we're going to probably do today will be the workshop around governance and monitoring that we participate in next. Um, and I think no matter what happens with the leadership shift on the board, if we do have one or not, uh, the commitment to the, the direction that we have started is not going to shift. Uh, all of our commitment to helping students isn't going to shift. Um, if I'm not elected or if I am, it's not going to change my commitment to this board or willingness to be a collaborator and work together. Um, I think in a lot of ways we're at a moment where we have to figure out how we can put students and families first so that our schools can get out of the crises. Um, and that won't mean we always will agree or see things the same way, um, but I think it means that at the end of the day that we always have to do whatever it takes to make sure we're putting students first um, and treating them and their families with the dignity and respect that they support. Um, and so I definitely hope that my colleagues um, will think of me as somebody who would be a good fit for the presidency and who you feel like you'd be able to, to give your support to. Thank you. Thank you, 
Vice President Bogus, usually our timer, so you can keep me to task of keeping my remarks uh, brief. Thank you, Commissioner Weissman Ward, for the nomination. I appreciate the confidence um, you have in my ability to continue to lead this board as president during this critical time for the district. I accept the nomination. This body has been through tumultuous, difficult times. I'm proud of our work over the past 10 months. We've worked together in collaboration to become a higher functioning governing body. Through extensive committee engagement, we established our vision, values, goals, and guardrails for the next five years. With unanimous adoption by the board, that has become our North Star for good government, governance of SFUSD. At the same time, we navigated our first full year back in person, grappled with the ongoing impacts of COVID in our recovery, hired a new superintendent, found our way to some financial stability, and still outstanding and resolving the catastrophe of Empower, the payroll system. Paying our staff is fundamental and basic. The livelihood and dignity of our hardworking educators and staff. And we have just begun this hard work of putting our de declaration into action. And we must serve and deliver for our students. We must embody our SFUSD values, lead with equity, and make and make lasting systemic change that means excellence in education for all students. And that I believe it, that in this board, in this district's best interest, that I be approved for a full term so I have the opportunity to continue um, to support SFUSD, our students, our parents, and community in this role. And as an Asian American woman over the years, I've been asked to step back time and time again. And this evening, I want to express, I've done the work delivered for our district and community, and I'm ready to continue. And we have so much work ahead, and I'm ready to work with my colleagues to move our district forward. So thank you. I want to let you know, colleagues, that I will open up for public comment, um, and then we will follow to have a brief uh, discussion um, and give a chance if other board members would like to give their remarks. So at this time, I will open up for public comment. Thank you, President Lamb. I have nine speaker cards for in-person. Thank you. Alicia, can we take um, a sense of number of hands virtually? Currently, we have uh, three hands raised. Four. There, there are several more cards coming in at this moment. Depending on the number of speakers, I may limit public comment because we want to dedicate our time around this monitoring of student outcomes. Sorry to interrupt. We now have 14 in person. Lisa, do you have a sense of number of hands? Yes, we have four hands raised. Maybe we should ask in Spanish and Chinese if people want to speak. We haven't really requested them to speak, so we won't know until we do that. Thank you. Thank you. 
please raise your hand if you care to speak to this item. Uh, this is the election of officers for 2023. Can we please have that repeated in Spanish and Chinese? Buenas tardes. Por favor, levante su mano si quiere hablar sobre la nominación del de año 2023.Gracias.大家好,我們現在來到這個環節是公眾發言,是有關我們那個新主席選舉的發言的,如果邊位是網上發言的話,麻煩你是網上舉手,多謝你,Thank you.Thank you.President Liam, there are five hands raised. Jetson, how many again in person? 15. We will take no more than 20 minutes of public comment, one minute each speaker, please. Um, and that does not include interpretation time if we need. We'll add additional, but it will be one minute per speaker, please. Got it. Thank you. I'm going to call you up five at a time. So when I call your name, please come and stand up at the dais and then approach and start to speak. Um, our clock is out at the moment, so we're in the process of fixing that. So we'll just have a beep go off. So listen for that for when your time's up. Supriya Ray. Sarah Montoya. Naomi Luguana. Forgive me if I'm mispronouncing names. Meredith Dodson. And Lauren Yin. <coughs> You can go when you're ready. Yeah, hit the, hit the button though. There you go. Good evening, everyone. Thank you for taking my comment and Happy New Year. I wanted to make a comment on the uh, leadership issue, which I see as not only unnecessary, but actually harmful, because it seems to me that this is distracting from the student-centered focus that this board ought to be having and committed to. I also find it problematic because it really seems to undermine Jenny Lamb's excellent leadership over this past year. Commissioner Lamb hasn't even had an opportunity to finish her whole term. What does it sound like? How does it look to families across the district to take her out now when she hasn't even done a full year? Everybody else gets a full year. It's hard to see why, frankly, the only Asian American woman on this board is not being given that opportunity. There are many you know, able and competent people there here who can become president next. I can't see why they can't wait at a minimum until the end of the term. People say here all the time that representation matters, but somehow when it comes down to individuals here, that doesn't always seem to be the case, which is very sad. Thank you. Thank you. Hello and good evening. Um, thank you again for um, hearing us today. Um, my name is Sarah Montoya. I'm the mother of three children. Um, one of them goes to a private school because I didn't trust the district when she was in kindergarten. I didn't trust that the schools would open. I didn't trust that it was going to, the, the SFUSD would give her the opportunities she deserved. I have two children in public school, and I'm asking the board to show us as parents that you are ready to be stable and demonstrate that your focus is on the students and not on politics. I'm also asking you to prioritize the voice of a mother. Jenny Lamb is a mom in the district, and as a mom, I would like for the leadership to center around the voices of parents and to honor what she has contributed as an excellent leader and as a mother. Thank you. Hi, I'm Naomi Laguana, and I'm a San Francisco resident. 
I'm a San Francisco mom, and I used to be a San Francisco Unified School District mom until pretty recently. I do not support the board hiring a new, not hiring, sorry, appointing a new president. It's not the right time. While I understand that it's routine to have this done every January, it doesn't feel like the right time to switch players right now. There's been a lot of change recently with three new commissioners, a newly hired superintendent, and our children need stability and they need consistency. And Jenny can provide that for this board. In my experience interacting with the Board of Education as a PAC member, I can honestly say that Jenny Lamb was always so professional, thoughtful, informed, and open to an, a dialogue with all of us. Although it may seem exciting, interesting, and a cool way to act to have different people lead this board, Jenny Lamb's the right person right now. Thank you. Hi, I'm Meredith Dodson. I'm San Francisco public school mom. I've been really proud of this Board of Education recently for how it's turned things around from the drama and upheaval of the not so distant board of the past to the one that we've seen these past nine months since Jenny Lamb ascended into the remainder of her predecessor's second term as president. It's confusing to parents why there would be a change right now, why we'd shake things up right now, given Lamb's steady leadership and focus on students, given she's only served a partial term, and given that this would be the fourth leadership change for SFUSD in just 10 months if you push her out. We wonder what's going on, adult interests. Um, we hear about the guise of succession planning, but that seems a bit disingenuous given her predecessor was last year elected to a second term. Um, parents are paying attention. There's a lot of parents in the room tonight focused on what's going on, and to us, it looks more like politics um, than about what's best for our students. Feels like it could be a reversal of the progress that's been made and not what our district and students need right now. We're asking for stability for our schools and for our students. And we'll support Kevin Bogus when it's time. Um, hello, my name is Lauren Yen. I'm a parent of a fourth grade student at Star King Elementary. I'm a fifth year PTA officer at our school. I'm here to express disappointment that this board is considering removing Jenny Lamb before she's had a chance to complete a full term as president. Jenny has done a tremendous amount to stabilize SFUSD after the tumultuous years we've had in pandemic. Her leadership and governance over the last 10 months has focusing on student literacy and with regards to the budget has done much to rebuild the trust that was lost by the previous board leadership. Additionally, Jenny is the only Asian woman and current public school mom on the board. As such, she represents nearly 40% of SFUSD student body and she represents every parent who is concerned that this board will be moving away from student outcomes and back towards the politics that defined this board in the past. I urge you to support student focus since SFUSD stability allow Jenny to complete her last her, her term as president also Jenny I see you don't stand back we stand with you thank you next five speakers Selena Chu Angela Zhao Jean Dian Huang Megan Potente and Brandy Markman good Okay, 
Uh, my name is Selena Chu. I have two uh, two students in SFUSD. Um, I do. I am nervous when I'm reading scripts, so bear with me. Um, so when you said you want to put the students first, did you hear what the families and the students want? Some of them are in this room right now speaking to you. In your last meeting, you asked and discussed concerns of continuously uh, continuous decline in enrollment. Well, now you see more of. You, you probably will see more of that after this meeting. Um, this board has priorities, and any change from this election of officer is the least you should be worrying about now. Our school district has president, uh, vice president, new superintendent to lead the SFUSD, and we already have many uh, changes within the last 12 months. We don't need any more. Let President Jenny Lam serve her full term. This is my last warning, along with many other parents who were telling me, um, if you don't put your focus back on improving public education for our students, you're gonna face us leaving the school district. Thank you. Uh 三環市校聯合校區比以往任何時候都更需要穩定家庭厭倦了不斷以新的員工和新的角色會面而學區的重點工作應該是幫助我們的學生和家庭尤其是這個充滿挑戰的時期不應該不停地改變和重複爭權
In her short uh, tenure, Jenny Lamb has led the way to rebuild our Board of Ed governance system, ushering in stability and effective governance. I urge you to please allow Jenny Lamb to serve a complete term. A change in leadership now will be another distraction that will detract from the much needed focus on students and learning. Thank you. Hello, my name is Brandy Markman. I am a San Francisco public school mother. I live in the Richmond district. I am speaking in support of Vice President Bogust um, for the pr uh, position of president of the school board. Um, I'm also a former educator, and I continue to be absolutely furious that our educators have not gotten paid for, have had payroll problems for months and months and months, and that this was not calendared in the spring by President Lamb. It is time for new leadership, someone who will take this very seriously, that will ensure that our educators and our staff get this, the pay and the insurance benefits that they are legally entitled to. We had a paraprofessional by the name of Eddie who passed away from cancer after fights with um, his insurance issues. We can't, we simply can't afford to have um, morale so low amongst our teachers. Also, there was an article in the San Francisco Standard today about the bloated central office management. Um, and that has just, that is just a mirror of what we've seen under our mayor, London Breed. So I urge a support. I, I think the time is uh, right now for change. Thank you. Okay, next group. Kevin Ortiz. Deldep Medine, Medine, sorry for mispronouncing. Um, Yvette, Frank Lara. Can you hear me? My name is Kevin Ortiz. I'm the co-president of the San Francisco Latinx Democratic Club. Um, I would just want to first say it's good to have you on board, Commissioner Fisher. I know that you care about black and Latino families and that you know that they care about the education of their children, as I know that you do as well, Commissioner Bogus. Um, Latino students comprise 26 of those 26% of those enrolled in the San Francisco Unified School District. I just want to say a full term should be finished. Wasn't that the same argument that was made uh, to be finished with recalls? Um, you can't have it both ways. Um, representation does matter, and Commissioner Bogus would be the first black president since Devon Cook. Um, I'd like to remind folks that Kevin's also a public school father. Um, I, let's go back in the history of just the last nine months. Teachers and paraeducators have been subjected to a variety of systemic issues that stem from the lack of leadership on the school board including consistent payroll issues, reversal to a legal admission-based system at Lowell High School, and a school board that admonished a former racist school board member's remarks rather than a full censure. There was no calendar discussion of the payroll crisis all spring, uh, enabling the district to hide the extent of the problem. Thank you. Good evening. My name is Delda Medina. I'm also a co-president of Latino Democratic Club, a mission resident, and a parent at with a child in the SFUSD. I believe that it's an important part of the democratic process of having a vote and conversation around this important position at this body. Over the last nine months, teachers and paraeducators have been subjected to a variety of systemic issues that stem from a lack of leadership in the school board. We believe that there should be transparency um, and to be able to understand the extent of the problem. This is why I support a shift uh, to, uh, to board presidency to Commissioner Bogus. Thank you.
Thank you, my name is Yvette. I am a parent of two children within SFUSD. Over the past year, this board has slowly started to pull itself back from what some would call a time of significant distraction, distrust, and chaos. It was a mess, and in many ways, it still is, as we are seeing here tonight. However, there has been a change, there's been a shift in priorities, and you promised this board would be a bit different, with a focus on what's in the best interest of the children and this district. Because yes, the instability of the previous administration is why many did call for that particular change. However, all of you have shown a commitment to doing the work and keeping that promise under the leadership of Jenny Lamb, giving the appearance that you were listening. Jenny has consistently listened to parents, families, educators. She's been respectful, no matter the differences in opinion. And as a parent with children currently in the district, she has a vested interest in seeing this place thrive. She's ushered in better governance and outreach. And frankly, you don't have to have SFUSG children to care about what happens in this community. They depend on you, all of us, to model behavior and make good decisions for their well-being and to strengthen and prepare them. Thank you, do the right thing beyond politics. Thanks. Evening, everyone. Um, my name is Frank Lada. I'm Executive Vice President of UESF. I'm also a teacher of 10 years in San Francisco's Mission District, one of East Horseman. And first, I just want to welcome you to New Year, welcome you to the new board, to the board that's sitting here. And you know, I know things will probably get tense, like, oh, what's about to happen? But I'm just, I'm just here to tell you, look, let's take our role seriously. Whatever happens tonight, what's clear is we are at a crossroads, right? And it's up to the board to make that decision. Regardless of what we say, leadership, you all are leaders. You all will be held accountable by our educators. You all will be held accountable by our families. And so the one thing I really want you all to focus on the report that just came out today saying that we've, what we've been saying for years now, that, and, and folks have dismissed it, right? Folks need to really listen to what educators are saying on the ground, what they're feeling on the ground, and not have a dismissive attitude towards it. The Empower debacle is not just an issue of a program. It is deeply embedded culture that we've had in this. Can you get another minute just because I'm speaking on behalf of 6,000 members? Yeah. All right, thank you. So it is a deeply embedded cultural issue here in the district, and we know that. It's not to seek blame. We're here. We're not going anywhere, right? Even our superintendent came back, right? And he's like here, and he's shown really great leadership, and he's pointing in the right direction. You all as a board have an opportunity to shift this. Some of us have been around for a while. The same faces to say that, well, this board did this right thing and this board did it, let's be real, yeah. is that you're, when you're going to be, I'm not understanding where the... Finish, please. Thank you so much. Excuse me, to the audience. Appreciate that. As somebody who helped organize families always, as somebody who helped the immigrant community raising thousands of dollars in funds during the pandemic, I expect that respect. So for everybody else, let's take our role seriously. From now on, let's work together. There's some good opportunities, but this idea of constantly blaming this or that, we have some serious tasks ahead. There's issues now. We have the budget that's clear. Actually, that's one of the things of Empower, extremely clear budgeting. So let's try and get that working in order to serve our families and our community. Thank you so much. That's fine. That's it for in-person public comment. Do we have five virtual? Five virtual? Oh. 
John, you can go ahead. John, on Zoom, did you care to speak? John Schwark? Okay, we'll revisit you. I, I can go ahead. Okay. If it's okay. Allison? Hi, um, my name is Allison. I'm a parent in the district. Um, my family and I, including my trans son, um, stand with the Latinx Dems and support um, Vice President Bogus um, rising for president. Um, Vice President Bogus is a, a leader of our youth um, and our education system. He is a father. Um, in a time when our city needs um, black men leaders, we just lost our our president at the Board of Supervisors, um, President Walton, to a white man. Um, and our students need to see black men in leadership positions. Um, I also disagree with a lot of the comments saying um, about uh, President Lamb's leadership. For one thing, her um, uh, limiting public comment tells him to me is a sign of a uh, of not good governance, governance. So um, I highly support um, um, uh, Vice President Bogus' um, becoming president. Thank you. Thank you. Diane. Hi, I'd like to speak in support of President Jenny Lamb. She's done a lot of great things for the district. Um, she's gotten rid of a lot of the drama. She's refocused on, you know, student outcomes that actually matter to the parents and the students and their futures. And she's made it um, impossible or less likely for there to be, you know, these um, political pet projects that used to be basically at every single board meeting. And I'm really proud of the work she's done. And I think she richly deserves to have another term. Additionally, um, Vice President Bogus gave absolutely no reason why anyone should vote for him over her. So that kind of makes it pretty clear to me what you guys should do. Thank you. Thank you. Tom? Tom? Hello, can you hear me? Yes, we can hear you. I support President Jenny Lamb to continue fulfilling a complete term as board president. She has done a, an exemplary job leading the board from a dysfunctional board to a board on the path to regaining public trust. She can be trusted to not just serve some students, but to serve all students. President Lamb is correct in her statement that she has done the work and has earned the right to the presidency. There is no one more qualified for this role right now than Jenny Lamb. Tom Anderson. Oh, sorry, Tom. You know what? I realize I at the same time. Tom Anderson. Hi. Can you hear me? Yes. Hi. My wife and I are both parents and special education teachers in the district. So when the commenter said earlier that parents are watching, not everyone agrees with you and your group. Right? I work at Dolores Oriental Elementary Spanish Immersion School. Jenny Lamb has never came to the school. A lot of the board members have never came. But when I emailed the board, Kevin Bogus was one of the few that listened to my concerns as a teacher, as a parent, and took it into that. Whenever he speaks, he speaks from his heart, 
and he is speaking for all students. Jenny Lamb is only listening and does listen to what Mayor Breed does and wants and what the white parents want. She dismisses educators. If she didn't, she would have put forth for that um, empower debacle at every meeting at the very top and gotten it solved more quickly. Instead, it doesn't, she, she doesn't have educators' backs. So I know that the other two members who are elected by the mayor are going to vote for Jenny Lamb, but please have a conscience and actually come to the school sites and actually give a damn because you don't. Thank you. Patrick? Hi, this is Patrick Wolf. Um, I'd like to start by saying I really think both Jenny Lamb and Kevin Bogus are to be commended. I think both of you have done a terrific job um, since March. And I think the direction of the board, the work of the board has been so much better. I would really love to see that work continue. And while I think Commissioner Bogus could make an excellent president in the future, I think it's a mistake at this fragile time in the board's work to introduce this change. And I would just ask you to reflect, think about the comments you've heard. You've heard political clubs. You've heard people talk about Mayor Breed. You've heard people raise racial issues. It's already been divisive. It would be so much better if this board could simply focus on the work and just focus on the, the governance improvement and the student outcomes which is your focus, maintain that continuity. I think you're both doing a great job. I wouldn't rock the boat now. Thank you. Thank you. So we have two more speakers. Um, we have Michelle and Lisa, or, sorry, Lisa and Michelle. So those are gonna be our two last virtual speakers. Lisa, go ahead, please. Lisa, go ahead, please. Hello, my name is Lisa, parents of district. I think Jenny Lam is doing a really, really good job. I don't know why it, you, you would be this a full term. Thank you. Thank you. And our final caller is Michelle. Michelle, go ahead, please. Thank you. Good evening, um, Michelle Jacques. I am a former SF, uh, excuse me, parent of two former SFUSD students, and an 18-year advocate for parent voice in the district. And I am uh, encouraging the board to support Kevin's uh, nomination for president. Um, Jenny has certainly demonstrated leadership, and um, Kevin has as well, backing her up on that all the way. He is the one who has reached out. Um, to parent groups and parent advisories um, over the last couple of years and been in contact and really kind of had a pulse on what we're doing. And um, I support him and believe him and, um, and trust him in this role. So I look forward to um, having some change. It's part of our democratic process. And I also want to just elevate the voices of the others who called in and support. Thank you. Thank you. President Lamb, that concludes virtual public comment for this item. Uh, thank you. So that concludes the public comment. At this time, I will open for a brief discussion, and um, if colleagues want to provide brief remarks, up to two minutes, and we'll go round robin. I'll just go to my left. Um, anyone? 
Good evening, everyone. First of all, I would like to start by thanking both Commissioner Lamb, President Lamb, and Vice President Vogus for your leadership. As a member of the audience for your term, it was an honor to sit and watch um, the tenor of board meetings change towards positive engagement amongst all of our members, um, to watch the focus return to student outcomes. Thank you all, um, not just the two of you, but the rest of the board as well. Um, I've been standing on that side of the podium for many years, and in the first meeting of the year, up until last year, which, you know, put that aside, the business has always been electing the new leadership team. And generally what has happened is the vice president will step up into the presidency. So we do have some consistency. But also, so that each of us have a chance to participate in the setting of the agenda, in the running of the district, working directly with the superintendent. And I am really saddened that the recall meant that President Lamb got less than a full term. But I'm very perplexed by some of the, the verbiage and the emails I'm getting about it cutting our term short. That, that was the term that was last year because of the recall. It was circumstances outside of the control of this board. Um, and for any of the rest of us, especially of us newer members within our term to be able to step up into leadership, we must continue that same progression. Um, I look forward to seeing many other people in this position of leadership, and I hope we can all be such solid leaders as President Lamb has been. Um, but I have had the opportunity to work with Vice President Bogus in his time on the LCAP Task Force, and I've had the opportunity to work with him at Coleman Advocates. And frankly, his leadership is, I think, already guiding much of the work we're doing. In CSACE, we're looking at individualized learning plans for students, and that's something that Commissioner Bogus has been advocating for years before he got on the board. So I'm really excited to see what he could also potentially do as president and how he could help set the agenda. Uh, okay. I, you need to give me a timer like you did out there. I'll, I'll start setting the timer here. Um, but thank you all for your comments. Thank you for the emails I've been receiving. I really appreciate the engagement. Thank you, Commissioner Fisher. Student delegates, Ken Oceanic. President Lamb was appointed in 2019, sat on the board throughout the pandemic, and stepped up to lead the board in the midst of unprecedented controversy, helping the board turn its behavior around, and getting us through a tumultuous year with passion, integrity, and responsibility. And as youth, we, and I use the royal we, are used to having to ask, if not pester adults, to listen and take us seriously. And President Lamb hasn't made us do any of that. To the contrary, actually, she makes sure Isabella and I are supported. She asks us and the Student Advisory Council if we need additional support. And she is working with us to give students legislative power since resolutions were paused. It is exactly the type of leadership that students want and deserve and it's important to acknowledge that as Isabella and I's term ends in June, we must think about setting up the future student delegates and SAC for success in the next school year by electing leaders who will support them. And I have an unwavering belief that we can trust President Lamb to continue her essential support for students, and I wouldn't want to leave students in anyone else's hands.
And none of this is to say that I don't feel that President Bogus, Vice President Bogus, has been a thoughtful or supportive leader. I firmly believe that he has and would proudly support him for another term as Vice President. But above all else, I believe that at this moment, SFUSD needs stability, and I can't wait to see what President Lamb does when and if she's given the opportunity to lead us through a full term. Let's not follow the example of the House of Representatives or the Board of Supervisors. Let's vote with conviction and efficiency and show families that we are here to focus on them. Um, I just wanted to highlight and also thank President Lamb for her contribution to the Student Advisory Council and student leadership throughout her term. She has always been a consistent resource and a reliable leader. President Lamb has shown commitment to student voice from aiding in the SAC's annual youth summits to holding space for student voice during board meetings. In my opinion, she has gone above and beyond in ensuring that Cal and I don't just have the time and space to speak during these meetings. She also does the small things, such as continuously checking in on us and clarifying any questions or concerns we have outside of meetings. She has been an ally and an advocate for students, and I hope to see her continue her term. Thank you. Commissioner Tomedy. I want to express my support in alignment with Commissioner Weissman Ward's nominating remarks in support of the continuing leadership team of President Lamb and Vice President Bogus. I also appreciate the comments that we've heard today expressing our, um, the commenter's experience and reasoning. Under President Lamb's leadership, we have created a much more stable and student-focused environment. Her leadership has calmed very tumultuous waters, facilitated challenging issues and discussions with grace and respect. I have heard loud and clear that stability has calmed frayed nerves. This board has few things that it directly controls and manages, but our leadership is one. People are looking to us for stability. And I also want to mention that we're under the watch of the Department of Education, and one of the key areas of concern it has highlighted about our governance is leadership stabilities. The FIGMAT financial health risk analysis raised this um, as one of the key issues. We've had a lot of administrative leadership turnover, and we likely will continue to. And that is why it's so important that the board stays firm and continues to follow um, the leadership under President Lamb and Vice President Bogus. Further, I worry that continuing leadership changes will, um, will compromise our ability to effectively raise bonds, given that ratings agencies also look at leadership stability. Setting a professional, focused, student-oriented work while also managing ongoing fiscal and budget issues is imperative that we continue to move forward. She's hired a new superintendent, identified and engaged with governance consultants specializing in urban districts. She's accomplished so much in, in her work since July. She's also the senior female commissioner and she's a parent in the district. As a fellow parent and mom in the district, I feel strongly that she has led with advocacy for our student learning and fidelity to our families. I've served on other, <laughs> I'm always going a little over, I have served on uh, several other governance boards and staffed others. Stable leadership is essential to organizational success, and I have heard no persuasive argument as to why to interrupt what is working, especially when the current dynamics and leadership have been so successful. What is the rush? I fully um, am, am support mindful succession, have been clear in my support of Vice President Bogus continuing in his role with clear expectation of his succession after a full term has been completed. Thank you. Thank you, colleagues. Um, so at this time, I'm going to conclude discussion. Uh, Mr. Steele, would you please uh, take roll call for the open for the nominated candidates? Okay. 
Student Delegate Hanson. President Lamb. Student Delegate Kenosha. President Lamb. Commissioner Alexander. Commissioner Bogus. Vice President Bogus. Commissioner Bogus. Commissioner Fisher. Vice President Bogus. Commissioner Bogus. Commissioner Matomedy. President Lamb. Commissioner Sanchez. Commissioner Bogus. Commissioner Wiseman Ward. President Lamb. And President Lamb. Lamb. <laughs> we have one, two, three, four for Vice President Bogus, three for President Lamb, which is not a supermajority. No, the motion fails. So given we did not reach the threshold of supermajority of five votes, I will continue the item for board president and vice president for the next board meeting in January. Thank you. So at this time, we will shift gears um, to the workshop on student outcomes, which is the information item. We're going to, uh, let's recess for five minutes, um, and that will allow the commissioners to go into the middle of um, the dais, and we will then call upon our um, national coach, uh, A.J. Crabble, to also, um, with along with Superintendent Wayne, around beginning our workshop on student outcomes. So we will recess and return in five. San Francisco Government Television.
everyone can take their seats. We're trying to continue the meeting, please. Thank you. If you want to have a discussion, please have it out in the hallway. At this time, I'd like to turn to Superintendent Wayne. <laughs> Thank you, President Lamb. Good evening, everyone. Um, pleased to have, we've done a workshop on student outcomes, but to have this first workshop meeting. Um, and glad we're getting down to it in time where our student delegates can join as well. Uh, and then we also have uh, Dr. Ritu Khanna, our Head of Research Planning and Accountability, and Dr. Nicola Priestley, um, our Head Academic Officer with us. And we have the Azul. Um, our, our coach and guide, uh, AJ Crabble. You there, AJ? Is AJ there? Good evening. Oh, there you are. Hi. Um, so this this um, um, workshop is going to have actually two discussion times. Uh, one discussion, um, one talking about our planning for having these discussions on and workshops on student outcomes, and don't want to spend. Uh, too much time on that. Uh, it may be up to 30 minutes uh, the most, and then we want to spend most of the time on uh, the <coughs> progress monitoring report. Uh, but first, the first document that you see before you that was uh, attached to the board agenda uh, is a memo about planning for the um, planning board meetings and planning our progress monitoring calendar. So yes, this is the one, the calendar here. Um, and uh, when we uh, committed to going through this process and adopted our, our new um, operating um, rules and procedures, <coughs> we um, agreed that something I was going to work on was a, a full progress monitoring calendar that demonstrated how we would spend half of our meeting time focused on student outcomes. And uh, so, um, as I was preparing that, uh, and, and sorry, we had a meeting in November where we focused on student outcomes. And you see, to have a substantive discussion takes time. And, and so we really need to uh, make sure we're setting the time in our meetings. And so we had already discussed when, when going through changing the rules and operating procedures, this idea of having you know, one regular meeting that's more business focused and one workshop meeting that's more focused on student outcomes. But as I was planning some of the major items, I uh, realized this is still a challenge and it actually means a shift in doing business for all of us, myself included, because I'm coming having experience as a superintendent and understanding that, that at board meetings, we're often providing updates on topics that may be of interest to the community, but those aren't ones that are necessarily related to our goals and guardrails or that um, are are uh, items that require board action, right? And the board meeting is for you to come together to, to take action. Um, and so this first discussion is to um, look through what's planned for the remainder of the year and talk about, okay, how, you know, how, how are we going to prioritize our, our discussions? And so uh, just so I'm going to walk through the calendar, then let AJ speak a little to this, and then we'll, we'll have the discussion. Uh, so you can see... Uh, you know, we describe the three types of meetings, and so then uh, we have uh, the difference between the workshop and regular meeting, and then in uh, so and then in yellow, uh, sorry, blue are the regular meetings, yellow are the workshops, and pink are required items. So, for example, per your board policy, 
um, there's a, uh, it's required that you take action to um, have your annual organizational meeting. Um, and then, then green are student outcome progress monitoring. These are times we have set aside for progress monitoring. We've planned for the first few, the, the, um, the topics for the first few, so you see this one is about building capacity, the next one's around literacy, then we have one in April around math, then the other two we know we need to address college and career readiness, and then we also, in these monitoring conversations, AJ will, sh will share more when we, we get to that, like, you know, we uh, monitor the goals, I think three times a year, and the, the um, guardrails once a year. And so you see that there are some things that are neither green nor pink. Um, and again, this is just a few of the items that we would, we would talk about. Um, and then the, uh, you know, there's also, it doesn't include some of the routine items, uh, like a advisory committee reports, or, you know, I've been having a routine Empower SF update. These all end up taking time, this time we're not spending on student, student outcomes. So, that's the first discussion we wanted to have. Like, looking at this, you know, how are we going to make this work? Um, and uh, so, and with that, I'll let AJ, um, you know, he's worked with a lot of boards, share any insights, and then we'll see what questions, he's had questions, and what kind of what questions come up. Good evening. Um, so, this is the part where the board has to begin making decisions about to what extent will it walk the walk, um, in addition to talk the talk. You all have done a fair amount of walking so far, um, and you've done a lot of talking about the things that you aspire to do, uh, your aspirations around focusing on student outcomes and such. Um, but there comes a point you know, for every school board on this journey where you're going to have to make hard decisions, and those hard decisions invariably will have political consequences as well as operational ones. So here's what stands before you this evening is you're going to get a chance to practice what it is to actually engage in a monitoring conversation. And that will help give you a better understanding of the recommendation that is before you to invest at least 50% of your time each month in the monitoring progress relative to student performance. Uh, the rationale behind that argument is grounded in both observation and studies that suggest that when boards behave this way, that they create the conditions for alignment of adult behaviors in ways that are more likely to bring about the results that the board has identified as the community's priority. And so it's not a, it's not without purpose that you would focus your time in this way. You do it specifically because there are things that you say are important to accomplish. But now, this evening, in this conversation about your about your calendar, what you have to decide is, are we willing to prioritize these things that we say are most important, uh, monitoring progress relative to our students' performance and the achievement gains that we believe that can help afford our students? Um, or are we not going to make the sacrifices that that level of focus requires? That is fundamentally the decision before you. So this is the opportunity to experience discomfort. I assure you this conversation will um, engage in uh, discomfort. You're going to have to make decisions about what things are we going to set student performance aside for that we're going to say we recognize that spending time on this will take time away from our students and their learning, but we think it's so important that we're going to make that decision and set our students aside nevertheless. That's the nature of the conversation that 
the calendaring uh, invites. So with that as the intro, I wanna look at a few specific examples. So I don't know if you all have this document in front of you, the board governance priorities calendar. Uh, but the superintendent did identify that there are some things that are not um, colored in at all. So the things that are colored in green, that's the direction you all said you want to go. You want to spend at least half of your time each month on those items that are highlighted in green, where you're really doing a deep dive into where were our students, where are they now, what's worked, what hasn't worked, and what strategic pivots are we making to better align the district's deployment of resources, most importantly human, but also financial, uh, with the needs of our students um, as indicated to us from the data. So the green definitely represents what you have been saying. That def represents you walking the walk. But the green is in competition uh, with both the red, which are things that your legal team have identified you legally uh, need to spend some amount of time engaged with, um, and the things that are not highlighted at all, which are things that you have the option of um, engaging with. Um, but if you do so, it will do so, um, it will eat up some amount of time and you've got to figure out if we spend half of our time on student outcomes, do the items in red and white fit into the other half already? And if they don't, what adjustments are we going to make to cause them to fit into the other half rather than allow them to take over? So if you're looking at this document, um, I'll jump right into the middle of controversy. There's an item described as high school task force update. I can only imagine from listening to this board for a while, if that item makes it onto the agenda, that is going to get a significant amount of your time and attention. You all are going to want to discuss it. Everybody's going to want to discuss it. And that's in addition to all the conversations happening around it in the actual task force itself and the engagement work that they're doing. I predict that that item will come into um, competition for your time along with your commitment to student outcomes. So the question becomes, should that remain on the board agenda? Now, I'll point out, as you see later on, there's another high school task force highlighted in uh, red, you will eventually have to take some type of vote on this. So the question isn't, will you, this eventually come back to the board? It most clearly will, and it's indicated that that will happen uh, April 25th. The question is, how much time does the board want to spend in board meetings before then uh, wrestling with this issue simultaneous to you having already passed off authority for this to both your superintendent you know, and a task force. So let's use that as, as an example. Is that something that you all want to leave on this calendar that you all will invest time in in February, in February specifically on the 21st? Or is that something that you would want to remove from this calendar and instead free up that additional time to focus on the things that you've said you want to focus on most. Your only other option beyond those two is to figure out how to modify the rest of the that item and the rest of the items during the month of February to be constrained to only half of your time during the month of February. So let's use that as a starting point for conversation. What say you?
Go ahead. Okay, um, I think that we could, for that one, the high school task force update, the first one in, in February, we could, that, we could formulate that as we have with the updates on Empower, so briefing board members, not all together, but separately or in, in duo, so we don't have to have it part of an agenda item on a regular board meeting. So I, if I'm understanding you correctly, I think you're saying that because there are other avenues, both for the, the board's consumption and for the public's consumption, that you could see not having that as an item in February, recognizing it's coming back to the board later. Well, Is that what you're saying? Yes, and we could post it. It still could be posted publicly, but we have been getting, board members have been getting post, uh, posted by um, the superintendent on Empower periodically, and that's been helpful, so we don't have to take more time away from the public meetings. Gotcha. So this is an important point. The distinction that he is making, which is a really important one, is that we aren't actually talking about what information should come to the board or what information should be made public. That is not the nature of the discussion. This discussion is purely about what items should the board spend time on during the board meeting. Uh, and so I think the point that you're making is well made that uh, you would still get the same information as a board. Uh, any information that needs to be available, made available to the public could still be made available to the public. Uh, that those two things don't change. The only thing that changes is how much time you're spending on it in board meetings. Uh, am I understanding that correctly? Yeah, that's correct. Got it. Uh, who else? What are your thoughts on this? And again, I want to clarify, we're not making any decisions. We're using this as a discussion point right now just to get a sense of what is the degree of adjustment the board is willing to make to focus your attention on student learning. Uh, who else? Well, so first of all, um, I wasn't part of the roll call vote. I think you can hear me, right? I wasn't part of the roll call vote for the rules. Um, otherwise, I actually would have voted no. Um, because uh, I actually think that I have, I would like to strenuously push back against turning one of our meetings every month into workshops. I think, first of all, we owe it to the public to be able to comment at every single one of our meetings on every single item that we're talking about. Um, we have a huge amount of engagement here in person as well as online. And I know in the past, it was exceptionally frustrating for me to be sitting in the back of this room for hours with no meaningful engagement with the board. And frankly, I think it was a little bit arrogant for us as a board, and is for us as a board, to be sitting here having this conversation without stakeholder engagement. Uh, so secondly, when we talk about not hearing from our parent advisory committees, parents are our students' first teachers. And the only real authentic stakeholder engagement, the majority, I shouldn't say the only, that's not fair, but the majority of real stakeholder engagement that we've gotten over the past few years has been from the work that various advisory committees have done in alignment with LCAP task force, in alignment with their reports to the board, whatever. That is how we've had authentic engagement in the past. And right now we have no other mechanism. So until we come up with an other path for that, um, we are cutting off engagement if we switch to this model. And I think that does us a huge disservice. In the past, we've created ad hoc committees. We've done communities, uh, committees of the whole. And in fact, when we talk about maybe separate reading briefings, um, that's not fair because that limits what the public can see, in my personal opinion. Um, that's the work of committee. For example, I don't understand why 
the budget work we're doing isn't done monthly in a committee when we are a hair's breadth away still. FICMAT is still working with us. Why don't we have separate budget meetings? Why are we talking about doing all the work here? We owe the public the, the right to see everything we're doing. And so doing it in the form of a committee, I think, is, rel is, is really important. But it doesn't all have to be done on the second and third Tuesday night. It can be done in many other forums. Thank you. Anybody else thoughts on this topic? Yeah, I have a couple of questions. Um, so I know the way you presented it is sort of that we want to have an equal amount of green and non-green items per month and that they should take up an equal amount of time. And so I'm just curious, in February, for example, where we would be talking about the high school task force update, what do we do when there's no green in a whole month? Yeah, so you all are at the beginning of your journey. The intention is that there will never, ever be a month without green. Okay, so... Can I just clarify then, when you talk about perhaps limiting or removing that item from here, we'd replace it with a student outcome workshop? Because there's no student outcome workshop in February as of now. Excellent observation. Okay. Yeah, so that would be, I mean, so I'll say that that's the, the idea is that, and, and we're using this as an example. We're not asking you tonight to go through every item and say, you know, this one stays, this one doesn't. But this, the one AJ highlighted, is a good example to say, yeah, this is a month where we don't have a discussion focused on student outcomes. In order to do that, we, we either need really, you know, to have a uh, um, lot of agenda items on on various uh, on on this one evening, um, or put in, uh, you know, put in a workshop, uh, put in a discuss. It doesn't have to be the workshop structure, but put in a discussion around uh, student outcomes and not address something else. And the things that are candidates to not be addressed, this is an example of one. That like, is there an, uh, an update? Is there, are there other ways to provide this update if we're not doing it at the, uh, at the board meeting? Okay. Or is the board meeting the place where we need to do an update? And if we feel we need to do an update, I guess, do we need to do an update? And if we feel we need to, is the board meeting the place to do the update then? Um, okay, and then the other thing is, uh, I do concur with, Commissioner Sanchez, that I think it would be beneficial to maybe not have the high school task force do a full presentation in February and instead do briefings with the BOE members, but the student delegates don't get briefed on Empower, so I want to make sure that if we do a high school task force briefing that we do get briefed on that one. Other reflections? Um, I was, I guess one of the things I've been thinking about looking at this and board meetings and use of our time as board members and superintendent time is the use of things like town halls and so forth because when it comes through the boardroom then it does limit the amount and style of public comment and makes it quite stilted as opposed to um, staff going out and sharing what's happening with the high school task force or frankly sharing what is happening with Empower where it's not coming through the board as a mechanism and allows for Q&A or breakout groups with um, community members and so forth. So I'm interested in how we're thinking about supplementing. Um, I've said this before, the, this board has been so dependent as the venue for convening and that I, I don't think is should be normal. I think it has a lot of, there are things that the board should absolutely be 
it is the correct place, but I think the relationship that this district has with its families and students should also be held in other places in codified where we can join as board members, but it allows for, it, it's for our community um, as opposed to for the board with the community watching us. Yeah, to, to be clear, if there are operational functions that the district should, that the district staff should be attending to that are being done by the board, your organization is suffering from a performance perspective. Um, and what you should be doing is figuring out how do we get the board out of performing operational functions and how do we get the organization into performing operational functions. Um, but the response to there are operational needs and so the board should then fill those in and do that during board meetings that is dysfunctional um, extraordinarily so so what you want to do is identify okay what is the need the operational need and who is the appropriate party to meet that need and, and how does that get done and where there are governance needs separate from operational needs what is the correct venue for that what is the optimal way to construct that uh, but but i would encourage you to design from that perspective rather than design from the we've done it this way uh, ergo that uh, is the way we should continue doing it i, I would let that go um, there, there's not a whole lot about how you all have operated a board that um, historically that I, i'd describe as the optimal only way something can be done there are many ways things can be done. The, the challenge for you all in this evening's conversation as part of that is what are the things that the board should hold? What are the things the board should let go of? And then for the things that the board should hold, what is the best way for it to hold it? So, for example, I will completely disagree with all of you anytime you suggest that public comments at a board meeting is, is a form of community engagement. It is not. It never has been. It never will be. Um, that is not two-way dialogue, and so I do not consider it a form of community engagement. It is not two-way dialogue with your stakeholders. So if what you want is community engagement, then the, the mission is design for that, design what community engagement would be, but don't protect a failed system um, under the belief that it's going to get you the results you want. Figure out what is the optimal way to get the results we want, and then let's just design that. Um, so public comment serves a purpose, but that purpose is not community engagement. That purpose is community voices being heard, but it's not community engagement. If what you're wanting is community engagement, then we just design something for that and and build and build the board's time around that. Uh, other other reflections on this idea. So that the item I put on the table, and again, I've already said this, I'll repeat it again. The point of this exercise is not to make a decision right now. The point of this exercise is to begin to think through the prioritization process. Other reflections. We haven't heard from everyone around the dais. Uh, reflections on this idea. You know, do you keep this high school task force update? Do you not keep it? What do you do? Who else? Um, I'll, I'll speak. I was going to say something similar to what Commissioner Matamidi said around, which I think is aligned with this, what AJ was just saying. I really love the idea of us doing more town halls and maybe with a couple of board members like we did earlier around the goals and guardrails. I think that was really effective. And um, But a second thing is specifically with respect to the high school task force, my concern, frankly, isn't what the board thinks about the high school task force. It's actually what people in high schools think. Yeah. So I'm wondering what the plan is for engagement in the schools, mm -hmm. right? I mean, I, 
you know what I mean? Like, I, that's what I want to have happen before the, it comes back to the board. Um, so I'd rather, that, that was my instinct upon seeing that agenda item, is, is what's, I would rather see a plan from staff to be really deeply engaging at school sites with parents, with teachers, with students themselves. Um, and the board members could perhaps be invited if we wanted to come, but that, that's not, it's not really our, we're not the target of that. This is a great point. I want to highlight exactly what you just said here. This is a really great point. And that in moments like this, anytime the board begins to take on operational tasks for itself, you actually decrease the likelihood that the administration will feel a need or an obligation to do so. Um, and so I, I really appreciate this as an example. I don't know this to be factual, but I can certainly see a world where the board says we're going to do high school task force every month at the board meeting and a community response being that is clearly the place to go to be heard about the high school task force issues because that's going to be on the agenda there'll be public comments so that is the venue and then as a result either the administration does less authentic engagement in your high school communities or people just are less prone to show up because if they had to choose, should I go talk to the board about this or should I go to this uh, meeting that the staff is holding about that? Oh, I already spoke to the board. I don't need to speak to the staff. And so this is a really great point is that you want to be mindful as a board as you're designing your work. Where do we want the staff to actually do a job? And I personally agree with you. Um, what I would want is the staff to be deeply engaged with high schools in the development of a recommendation around high schools. I would not want community members to feel like the place to have their voice um, heard on a plan about high schools is at the board meeting table. I would want that to be the place where they could actually have authentic two-way engagement and have input on the plan before it's ever presented in the boardroom. Uh, so I, I just really wanted to appreciate that particular point because it does highlight there is a real cost that the board could create. You could actually participate in co-creating a more dysfunctional administration in your decision making that would be well intended, but could actually have the effect of creating less function around the things you wanted. Uh, I know you had another comment as well. Uh, I guess I, I did have one other thing. So my other thought was to, to what extent can we make things that are, that are on the board agenda or that even that have to be perhaps aligned with goals and guardrails also. So I mean, even the high school task force, when it comes back, when the recommendation comes back in the end of April, why can't it be aligned with the college and career uh, goal and be embedded with data around that? I can answer that for AJ. Okay. Uh, because this is part of why I wanted to bring this forward. Because I told you, it's going to be a shift for me, right? So the two had the same question around LCAP. Why couldn't LCAP be? around that. And then this is, and I think AJ's answer is, they can be aligned at, they are aligned, and that you're approving a plan that will support your uh, efforts in college career readiness. But that's not a conversation about progress monitoring towards student outcomes. Is that the answer you would give? 100 <laughs> uh, percent. The question is, which end of the telescope are we looking for? through and what you're suggesting um, unintentionally is to look through the wrong end of the telescope uh, instead of looking at here is
Sorry, go ahead. We got a little distracted by a commissioner off task. Doing independent research. Yeah. So, the, here's, here's the distinction, and you all want to think about this a lot because this is going to this exact question will come up repeatedly, and it'll always be the exact same answer that you're hearing from me and hopefully increasingly from each other. The conversation can either be about here's what the reality is for our students and our students are centered. And inside of the context of a student centered conversation about their outcomes at the culmination of that conversation, we could talk about. And now what will we do with the information that we now have? What will we do with our understanding of the reality for our students? You could either have that conversation or you could have the conversation where we say, here's what the adults are doing. Um, here's the things that the adults are interested in. Here are the various inputs. Uh, here are the things that are exciting on Facebook and Twitter um, that is, has people riled up around. Um, and oh, by the way, uh, we hope that it will have this effect on one of our goals or guardrails. That generally speaking, what you should expect is your conversation is going to go one of those two ways. Either students and their outcomes will be centered. And as a natural result of that conversation, toward the end of it, you will get to, and what, what strategy will we engage in in response to the reality of our students? Or adult inputs will be centered. Here are the plans. Here are the things that we'll purchase. Here are the things that adults will do. And toward the end of that conversation, like, and here's the effect we hope it has on children. What I'm recommending to you is to have a student outcomes focus approach to governing rather than adult inputs approach to, uh, to governing. And that may sound like semantics to you. I assure you from watching many, many thousands of hours of school board meetings, it in fact is not. about the student outcome progress monitoring and also I get the question about you know conducting these meetings um, as as workshops I, I actually really appreciate the workshop format because I, I think and maybe it was you AJ that reminded us of this at one of the earlier trainings but the the purpose of the board meeting is to conduct the work of the board per the law because of the Brown Act we have to do this work together in public, properly noticed, so that everyone can access it. Everyone has an, folks have ability to observe. And, and, and we're not gonna be in a position to talk about the monitoring if we're not sitting around a table, whether it's square or circular or semicircle, um, if we're not doing it. And so, so I do think, and, and yes, all of the agenda items that are a little bit more mundane and boring, like approving contracts, while it would be lovely to say we're going to do that over email, the law doesn't let us. So the, the purpose of the board meetings is really, really specific. And I, I appreciate the both Commissioner Matomedy and uh, Commissioner Alexander and your AJ's point about looking for other ways to engage, because this is an engagement. Like, we, per the law, cannot respond to public comment. And I, I know you, you made that, but looking for the town halls or whatever it is as another opportunity to do that engagement seems much more valuable than saying we're not going to engage and do the workshops um, in a way that focuses on the work that we said we would do. So I am, I've been in, I, we've only had, what is this, our third workshop? Second? Second um, student outcome. Second student outcome workshop, third workshop, one. but I've um, found them to be 
uh, really useful, very comprehensive, and a way to engage with one another in, a, in, in, um, in meaningful ways where we're actually talking about the important work. And that, that is what we're supposed to be doing at these board meetings. So. Other reflections on this, anyone we haven't heard from yet, other reflections on this idea of, we've got this idea of this high school task force update on the agenda. Um, is, is that the item that we want to spend that time on or is there something else? Anyone else before we transition? Yeah, I wanted to add too, I was going to say, um, I think this isn't something we would want to spend time on in kind of a perfect environment or situation. I think, I would just say for me as a commissioner, like there's a, there's a trust gap between the work that happens outside of kind of the birds, the board's purview sometimes. And I think how are we kind of circling around that to say, this isn't something that should be at the board. Where is the actual plan and intention of the district to actually create these other spaces for the public conversation, deliberation, feedback, um, that we kind of historically have crammed into the board space and appropriately. And I think figuring out like the balance of that with so many other priorities, I think the thing that I wonder about is we are kind of deciding that these things don't fit. Where do they go in this time that we're resorting, reorganizing? And who is actually keeping accurate tabs that these things are moving forward? I think the answer to that is the superintendent. And I think how are we demonstrating back to the public that those things are happening, that this work is still happening and we're still hitting um, the results and goals that we kind of want to see. Yeah, the, the point you're making is, um, is important not to miss that it is not appropriate to simply drop the ball on things that your families and community are um, acclimated to. Um, even if they're acclimated to a suboptimal process, they're still acclimated to it. And so simply dropping the ball um, is not really a, an option. Um, and so the, the question you ask is, okay, if this is a matter of transition, how do we as a board monitor that these things are in fact being transitioned, that, that if we're not going to hold the ball, uh, who is and how do we hold them accountable for that? I, I, I strongly agree with that particular line of thinking. Um, and the, correct, the, the most optimal response is that is the job of the superintendent. But uh, I'll tell you as uh, your coach, that I will join you in keeping track of that and of continuing to stay in communication with your superintendent around here are the commitments that you have made to this board. Uh, you ought not violate those commitments casually. Um, and that is a conversation that I have been comfortable and will continue to be comfortable having with the administration uh, anytime I, I share a concern that one of the these items of transition is not being um, well transitioned or it's not clear uh, to folks that maybe it is being well transitioned but it's not clear to folks that it is uh, that I will just know that I will join you in being an advocate for protecting that uh, any other reflections just as a um, reflection um, this is Jenny that absolutely when we went in and conducted our over 20 um, I think over a dozen in-person town halls around our goals and guardrails, that was by and large the, the feedback that we heard back from community, how excited they were to actually be in dialogue, be engagement, to have um, just really open discussions. So that is something I've heard as a majority of us here, even this tonight, but even as we went through the process, how important it is for the board um, to go into community um, and how 
impactful that is. So I, I think tonight, you know, to kind of continue to work with our coaches um, and with the superintendent around, so what is that balance between what is considered a board-led designed um, community engagement and then what is more of the operations piece? Because I do appreciate the distinction around, I don't want to enable. Um, and let the administration off the hook because oftentimes that's what we've also heard from, and I think that's why many of us sit on this board, is around the trust gap, around um, families still saying, I don't know how to navigate, I can't get in touch with anyone, I don't find an org chart, which we're still working on, I don't know who to call, I get circled around, um, and again, it's not, and that's something this board has really been trying to task, right, and, and I think as a practice, the community has seen the board as the ones, I know the name, I have the email, I know where they go for a supermarket, um, <laughs> um, and having those conversations. So I think this is going to be, an, um, I think, also um, a practice for the community, right, to, for us to be able to name, like, what is an operational need versus a governance need, and being very distinct about that. So, um, AJ, I'm going to uh, wrap us up here because, like I said, I wanted to give a time bit. So this has been very helpful. So first, just um, um, like I, I think uh, C uh, Commissioner Bogus, you you echoed what a lot of people said, but like with the high school task force, like there is, I was just opening my computer, we have a full day engagement session uh, happening with um, some students and staff at, at UCSF, and it happened um, last week, uh, I think on Saturday. There was, so we did it both um, on, a, uh, on a Saturday and on a school day, right, for multiple opportunities. So, um, you know, but because that hasn't been the practice, right, and what you're saying, I think, is traditionally when, when recommendations have come forward that you've asked for, you know, the recommendation isn't bolstered by that strong community engagement, you want to know that, 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 that that's happening, right? And so... Um, you know, and so, but I think then the, the conversation of is the place to share that, does that need to be at the board meeting? I'm hearing, no, for these things, maybe it doesn't um, as, but it does need to be shared in some way to, because, you know, you superintendent said in your 117 day entry plan, like you learn, you need to rebuild trust with the community. So like, I think one takeaway is thinking about how to make sure important information is being shared with the board and the community in a way that works towards that goal of, of rebuilding trust. Uh, then the second thing I'll say is what I'm hearing, I mean, I, I do want to say I fully under, I 100% agree that and having sat in board meetings now for 10 years, that that is not where authentic engagement happens. But I hear and I've seen how we have not done our job then of how of ensuring that parents and community members feel that they're authentically engaged. And I'll say, even in my first six months, well, I feel like I've individually authentically engaged with people, we have, don't have a system for that. So I recognize that's one of the many tasks on our, uh, uh, you know, on, on uh, you know, our, our to-do list. But what I'm taking away from this conversation then, and here's what I feel like are the concrete next steps. Like I said, we're not asking you to decide all the different things in here, but I think as I'm doing future agenda reviews, I'm thinking, there is, I'm hearing, but this I want like to see to make sure I hear this correctly. So one, you do see there are items that, the items that aren't in um, pink could possibly be updated, but you, superintendent, need to think about how you're updating us in the community in ways that rebuild the trust, as you said, you need to do. And then, um, two, 
that there is a real desire for the board for engagement, um, and um, and uh, for and so I feel like uh, uh, AJ can't see I'm looking at him, but I feel like you know you get you know that that would be something I think we should plan for this this coming semester, right? We should we should start you know seeing what that looks like, right? So we had an example. Uh, we did it with the vision, values, goals, and guardrails. Okay, we do have a lot of things where, you know, coming up where I think it would be beneficial to, for the board to hear from the public as you vote on the LCAP and budget and other things. And I'm looking at AJ, because not that you would have operational conversations, but when it informs, you know, how you're representing the values of the, and vision of the community, like hearing from them on some topics could be, could be helpful. So I think, uh, so my summary is always long-winded and then I do a short version. So one, work with board leadership on um, what goes on the agenda, knowing we're going to push some things to provide updates in other ways that build trust. Two, work with staff on finding some ways for authentic engagement with the board in the community in, in, during the spring semester. I'm seeing nods and a quizzical look from a and, nice And part of the conversation around that remains incomplete. Previously, you all mentioned that you wanted to have an ad hoc committee that take on this idea of what would authentic community engagement look like for the board and what would it look like for you to redesign how some of the systems that interact with the board such that the operational things belonged with the superintendent, the governance things belong with the board, and that the board was actually leaving the boardroom and actually having a calendar, having a plan for throughout the year, what does it look like to actually have authentic community engagement around governance topics um, with, with your stakeholders? Um, and again, public comment is not that, has never been that, will never be that. That doesn't mean public comment is bad. There's nothing wrong with public comment. Um, it's just, it's not community engagement. Um, and so if you want community engagement, you just, you design for that. Um, you wouldn't um, not do it and then call something else that. Um, and so I think you all are going to have to follow through on that previous conversation of having a ad hoc committee that does a fair amount of community engagement around what the board's community engagement vision should be. Um, I, I would actually encourage you to prioritize that of the board designing its system for community engagement and doing community engagement around that as necessary in your design of that. I'd encourage you to prioritize that as a major next step um, going into the rest of the spring. Going into the spring. And I do want to, I mean, it's your me, but I'd say, I saw, again, Commissioner Bogus had a look and, and Commissioner Matamini had a hand. And then, um, then I think we got enough to, to move on. I think for me, one thing that I think would be helpful, and I know that this will be a conversation that happens with board leadership about which of these items don't actually make it on and what kind of the alternative process looks like, but I think having more clarity around how you're viewing it and like how do we know that we've kind of satisfied our the conditions of satisfaction around whether or not we did kind of the engagement information process around all these items if they aren't coming to the board and how will we know if we've fallen short and need to do something else because we kind of haven't fulfilled that commitment to folks. Yeah. And so I think for us to be able to have 
kind of a documented way of kind of showing that and conveying that to folks as well as the board members will be helpful as we kind of make these decisions and navigate what makes our agenda what we have to kind of create a new venue to do and kind of how we balance that as we're trying to create new things to create these new spaces so yeah I, so I, yes and um, I wanted to push back a little bit because um, and I heard you, AG, as far as the, the next steps around community engagement. Because um, one of the things we haven't talked about, and I know it's part of the longer governance, like the five-year calendar, is the guardrails. Um, because I think that my unease in um, any sort of handoff is that I'm going to be stuck having it come back to me at a decision point with the, with the work not having been done in a way that we find collectively satisfactory. Um, you know, LCAP, I think, would be a really vibrant example of that. Um, and even like the high school task force, when you said that, I was like, oh, how interesting. I haven't looked at the high school task force webpage for a while. So the two workshops you referenced were not on here. So then that raised the question of how are we, who, who and how, and how are we engaging with community? And so if I am a community member who is not on the task force, how, how can I proactively or even reactively be getting updates through newsletters and so forth? So I do think this ad hoc idea, I mean, it's still sort of this amorphous thing, but a big reason why it is an amorphous thing is because the outstanding question in my head as the person who you know chaired the first part of this along with my two colleagues is what is the district bringing over to the table because if the baton is not being hand it anywhere, then it just feels like a lot of work for the board to undertake. So I'm, so this is me pushing back and me seeing that yes, the ongoing need, but also using this as an example and flagging where are our guardrails um, informing and being um, insured in the, in the work. Yes. Yes. I think, I, I really appreciate this conversation, thank you, and I love the yes and framing. Um, and I'd love to look at, part of the reason I'm pushing back so hard against the workshops, maybe that's the way we need to go long term. You know, change is necessary, right? I just have a really hard time limiting opportunities for, and board meetings, they're not the place to engage. I completely agree. We need more authentic engagement with our stakeholders. But we don't have them yet. So further limiting comment from the public, especially in a transparent manner like this, before we have that in place, to me is really problematic. I think I've said that verbatim. Yeah, I do. Okay. Um, so, yeah, I think I think next steps remain the same. We got some refinement feedback, uh, and we'll work with board leadership. And just to be clear, maybe said this, but maybe. Um, you know, well, I think it's, people can comment on items on the agenda. It's the general public comment that didn't happen tonight, but there's still so people can talk tonight about the workshop and what we're talking about about here. There will be a public comment section for this this item. Oh, great. yeah. I was under the impression there wasn't. So no, it's just so yeah. No, so it's just ju comments. Yeah. Okay. yeah. So we're required anytime there's an item on the agenda that's you know that goes to the you know, board discussion like. We don't have, you know, for some of the report outs, we don't. But for these kind of items, a general discussion item, the, the public has a right to uh, make a comment. It's just they don't, 
Uh, the, the difference is there's not the general public comments on items not on the agenda. So, um, okay, so this is really helpful. Um, All right, so um, let's proceed to the next item. And so, which I consider to be the much more fun item, uh, which is actually practicing what does it look like to monitor progress. For this, I just want to start, and I will say this multiple times, this is a fictionalized role play. This is a fictional role play. This is not real. The data is not real. The recommendations are not real. This is a fictionalized role play for the purpose of learning the process. Is there anyone on the board not clear that this is a fictionalized role play? All right. So in this fictionalized role play, I will play the role of your superintendent. And your superintendent will get to play the role of a board member. So we'll have an eight member board for the evening. Um, what we're gonna do is we're going to walk through uh, first the process for monitoring just to refresh because I know you all are already familiar with this. Um, and then we'll actually uh, practice uh, doing some uh, monitoring of this report. Uh, you all should have the report in front of you. Um, it is um, entitled uh, Goal 1, Interim Goal 1.3, um, Practice Monitoring Report. Again, practice monitoring report, not real. Uh, do, uh, board members, I can't see you at the moment. Do you all have that in front of you? Yes. Yes. And, and yeah. As a reminder, Superintendent Cravel, you um, have two staff members here available. Also, Dr. Khanna and Dr. Priestley, who are part of the, the discussion, and should be prepared. We will put them to good use. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right. So the first thing, board members, that I want you to do before we dive into the role play uh, is where you are right now, all eight of you, write down one question that you really want to ask about this monitoring report. So before we even get started, just take a moment, write down one question that you really want to ask about this monitoring report. So everybody, I'll just give you a moment, go ahead and do that now. Now, uh, some of you already submitted questions to your superintendent in advance, um, and one of you even noticed that you did not receive the monitoring report far enough in advance, um, and so there will already be a demerit in my next performance evaluation for that. Um, well done to you for noticing that, that you absolutely should be receiving monitoring reports uh, far, far in advance so that you have ample time to reflect and also that the community has ample time to reflect. Um, and so just uh, kudos to the board members who noticed that um, and who submitted questions in advance. So I'll ask all eight board members, go ahead and write down a question and then we'll dive into uh, the role play. Uh, the other document that I hope you have in front of you is a document labeled Effective Goal Monitoring. This document, um, and each of these documents is in board docs, so members of the public, you're well able to follow along if you can access those documents. Uh, but there's one labeled uh, the Practice Monitoring Report, that's what we'll be using for the role play. And then there's the guidance document that helps uh, folks understand what does effective goal monitoring look like? We'll be using the last page of that document where it says the monitoring conversation evaluation rubric. So just have those two things handy. Those are the two things you're really going to want to um, hold on to. All right, so I feel like I've stalled long enough. I've given you time to write down your questions. 
Uh, so let's go ahead and dive into it. We're just going to start the role play, and at some point I'll call a timeout, and then that will be the indication that we're going to stop the role play and then reflect on it a little bit. Um, but starting now, um, all right, uh, Madam Chair, uh, thank you. Uh, the next item is the practice monitoring report for goal number one, interim goal 1.3. Uh, you all uh, have had opportunity to look at this monitoring report. As you can see, the goal overall appears to be just ahead of expectation. Uh, on the first page, you see third grade, um, all students for goal one, uh, that our current actual performance uh, is at 53% of our students where we need them to be. Um, our target for this time period is 52%. So we do, it appears that we're on track for that. However, when you look at the next set of data, interim goal 1.3, the next uh, graph below it, it shows that our actual performance for third graders uh, using the interim assessment has us significantly below the percentage that we expected to be uh, for our English learner students uh, at 11% proficiency, where we expected to be at 19% proficiency right now. For that reason, um, in this monitoring report, I've described it as being significantly off track, uh, suggesting that it is unlikely that the school system will accomplish the goal without significant changes in adult behavior. And it's because of how significantly off track that we are that some of my recommendations may seem fairly aggressive, uh, but my belief is that they are sufficiently aggressive to address the reality that the data presents. Um, so with that as an introduction, uh, board members, I submit to you this monitoring report um, and look forward to your questions. And I can't see anyone, so um, Madam Chair, if you can call on people. Board members, what questions do you have? Um, so I would ask a question, which is, um, has um, the administration, have the experts, our internal experts, identified um, any um, hypotheses or ideas as to why the interim goals um, are so different from uh, what we hope they would be. Yeah, I, I appreciate this inquiry. Uh, have our internal experts identified a hypothesis for why the interim goals are so far off for where we expect them to be? When we began to analyze that, what we looked for were two different things. Uh, we looked for how are our, because the interim goal is around our uh, English learners, we looked for how are they doing, and as we tried to group them in different ways, looking for a pattern, there is one way of grouping them that really seemed to um, match up with what we were seeing in the data. And that way of grouping them was looking at classrooms where less than a third of the um, English language students in that classroom were on grade level, where somewhere between a third and two-third were on grade level, and where more than two-thirds of the English learners in that classroom were on grade level. And when we sorted them that way, it is really clear that 
when uh, the large majority of our English learners were in grade level, that the classroom overall uh, seemed to grow at a really fast rate relative to the rate of growth that we saw when our English learners um, weren't on grade level. So one thing that this seemed analysis bore out for us is that there's a real premium, not only for our English learners, but for all of our students um, to ensure that that particular student group um, is getting the support they need to catch up and be on grade level. And so investments that are disproportionately targeted to catching up our English learners seem to pay dividends, not merely for our English learners, but for all of our students. So that was one analysis we did. Um, and you see that analysis on the third page of the monitoring report in the second table, uh, the second bar graph. The other analysis we did is we looked in our third grade for trying to identify what was the fidelity of implementation that students were experiencing um, uh, regarding our science of reading uh, curriculum materials. And the more we looked at that, the more it became clear, similarly, that where there was a higher uh, fidelity of implementation of the science of reading, that there seemed to be a faster growth in those classrooms relative to the uh, pace of growth that we saw in uh, literacy in classrooms where there was a lower fidelity of implementation. And so that gives rise to um, the belief that we have around um, why we're seeing a lag is that the there are just large groups of our English learners who are significantly below grade level and that not addressing that as aggressively as we need to as a school system, not aligning resources toward that is causing a lag in um, interim goal 1.3 and a uh, where implementation of our science of reading curriculum is lower than we see a lag in that growth. Um, and so that just means we need to provide more supports um, and figure out what are roadblocks um, that we can move out of our campus's way so that they can uh, be effective. And what you see uh, at the end of page three are recommendations for how we would go about doing those things. Is that responsive to your inquiry? is around um, the inve investing in a investing in a intentionally disproportional way depending on um, how the students um, where the students are and also um, how the curricular materials are being implemented and whether they're being impl implemented with fidelity that is correct okay other questions about this monitoring report, board members? Um, I had a, well, I had a bunch of questions, um, but one of them was really around definitions of what does effectively deploying science of reading mean and how high fidelity of implementation is defined and just getting a sense of how many schools and students are currently being served and how teachers are supported and, tra and trained and curriculum and instructional consistency. If we're going to be redeploying this, what, is, what does that mean and how is that being assessed and connected to um, improve, student improvement? 
Yeah, so there's the strategic layer of this, which I'll focus on, but there's also a um, you know, deeper tactical deep dive of this, and I'm happy to put together a report and send that out in the next uh, weekly update to the board that really dives down into some of the tactics around what we're specifically doing. Um, at a strategic level, however, um, our focus on increasing, uh, our focus on knowing whether or not um, that the science of reading curriculum is being implemented um, really comes from the work that's happening with teachers in facilitated uh, PLCs. And so as they are having conversations around what are instructional plans and what's working and what's not working, um, there is a structured rubric they go through that identifies what are the keys of implementation and where have they uh, been effective at implementing that and where they have not. And again, a, for that specific portion of the PLC, we try to make available one of our science of reading facilitators uh, who supports them in that. So it's a self-evaluation process, uh, but it's a mildly proctored self-evaluation process. So they're doing it with someone who really understands what does effectiveness at implementation look like. Um, but it's the teachers themselves, because the best people to understand uh, where implementation is and isn't happening <laughs> isn't um, a bunch of administrators at central office. It's the teachers themselves. And so they really need to make that assessment for themselves. Uh, but then there's um, a facilitator that supports them so they have technical questions around things and they can know. And so based on that self-report data right now uh, of all of our elementary schools, you know, we are seeing uh, that roughly a third of them, you know, have already reached um, a moderate to high proficiency rating. Um, and that means that we need to uh, do a better job of listening to figure out what are the additional supports uh, that our campuses need or what are the roadblocks. And so at a strategic level, that's what we're about. You know, what are the supports? What are the roadblocks um, that are necessary to support our campuses um, and continue to grow. Um, but again, what I'll send home on Friday is a deeper dive into the, at the tactical level of what specifically is happening and kind of what buildings is it happening in and things of that nature. Oh, I think we've got time for- Break the third wall really quickly and ask how long we're going to like be answering for 10 questions for the purpose of understanding what it would look like. Like, I get the point of it, but yeah. how many do we need to do? Sorry, if that's- Yeah, so I just said, uh, I think we have time for one more question. Oh, okay. I, don't, Sorry. I don't know if you all heard that. What do you see as a problem accounting for the gap in goal 1.3 and goal one? Yeah, so, the, as you see in the goal, the measure is SBAC ELA. As you see in the interim goal, the measure is an SBAC aligned interim assessment. And so where you see a significant variance between those um, either means that we don't have, we haven't managed the degree of alignment with the interim assessment that we thought, or we have administration uh, problems um, you know, or we have some type of data anomaly problem. We actually think it's a third, um, that 
the SBAC results represent all of our students, whereas the SBAC aligned interim assessments only represents currently about 40% of our students. Uh, and so uh, I would suggest then that the all student data, because it is closer to all students, is actually propping up uh, our scores and masking um, underperformance um, in other places where we really need to apply resources. And so that's what I'm seeing is a major difference is that in the goal one, you're looking at all third graders on SBAC, but it is legitimately all third graders. Whereas with interim goal 1.3, um, it is intended to be all third grade, all third graders, but it's not actually all. Um, there's a large percent of our students who are not participating in the interim assessment. You actually see me mention that in the report further down. Um, and it is also just looking at one specific student group, our English learners, rather than all third graders. But even then, as I said, it's not actually even looking at all English learners. It's only looking um, at less than 50% of them. And so that's what we see is accounting for uh, the major variance. Is that responsive to your inquiry? Yes, thank you. All right. So let's take a time out. It was important for you to practice both um, asking questions, and we're going to analyze the nature of your questions, and hearing responses, and we're going to analyze the nature of the responses, because there's some things uh, that I did that you should be happy about, some things that I did you'd be like, huh, that makes me question. Um, and so you need to get good both at asking questions, but also at hearing answers and making decisions around, uh, did, um, was that a viable answer or not? Um, and so I realize it's uh, awkward, but that's why we needed multiple examples. We did three in this case um, because we need to analyze both. So the first thing I want to do is analyze the questions. So go ahead and read. What was the first question we heard? Uh, whoever asked it, go ahead and read it again. I asked whether um, whether the, our internal experts had, identif had, had identified any um, thoughts or hypotheses or ideas for the discrepancy in what the interim goal was versus where we actually landed. Gotcha. Okay. So now what everybody needs to do is you need to have the, the bottom page on the effective goal monitoring document handy because we're going to look at five different indicators of a question and how strong that question is in a goal monitoring context. So the five different indicators that you see at the bottom of the effective goal monitoring document are is it data focused? Is it learning focused? Is it inquiry focused? Is it strategy focused? Is it current focused? So those are the five indicators we're going to look at. So we're going to look at those both for the question that was asked and for some of the answer that you heard. Like we, we need to figure out what was asked and did it really uh, meet the expectations of effective goal monitoring, but also what was answered and where did it meet and where did it not meet uh, effectiveness. All right. So that question that she asked, um, anybody whose name is not Lisa, was that question data focused? Did it reference specific data within the report? Yes or no? Yes. <laughs> so ask the question. Uh, re, um, ask the question one more time, and then board members, did it reference specific data within the report? Yes or no? Change it. Um, <laughs> do, did our 
are, do our um, internal experts have any hypotheses or ideas around why um, our interim goal, what, what, why the discrepancy between our interim goal, I don't know if I said number, but I'll say it now, um, interim goal versus uh, other goals. All right. So, so the first question was that question data focused. Did it reference specific data within the report? Yes or no? Yes. Yes, it did. Next, is it learning focused? Did it focus on understanding the data rather than sharing opinions? Yes. Yes. Yes, it did. Is it was it an inquiry focused? Did it focus itself on being open ended rather than giving a uh, forcing a yes no answer? It was inquiry focused. Was it strategy focused? Was it focused on strategic issues rather than technical or tactical issues? Yes. Well, I, I didn't hear folks. Does anybody have a theory, right? So yeah. I, I feel like yeah. it's, it's strategy and that it's asking for an like a root cause analysis on... Take it. Because you're not asking them to, to, to comment on specific strategies, right? Percent, percentage of questions no. strategic issues. So one of the strategics... Okay. Can we clarify what strategic means in this context? Yes. Yeah, so uh, thank you for that question. So there are three different things that we're talking about with this question. It's either technical in nature, tactical in nature, or strategic in nature. If it's technical in nature, then the focus is on understanding systems of measurement um, and uh, how uh, things are accounted for and things of that nature. If it's tactical in uh, nature, then it's focusing on how things are done. Um, what are the actions that people are taking and who's taking them and where are they being taken and things of that nature. If it's strategic in nature, then it's concerned with the alignment between uh, the data uh, that we're looking at or whatever it is we're talking about and the uh, goals or guardrails, uh, but in this context, the goals that are being discussed. So if it's technical, it's about measurements. If it's um, tactical, it's about who's taking what specific actions where. If it's strategic, it's about what is the alignment to the goals. So the question is, was her question uh, strategic in nature, yes or no? Yes. Yeah, I would argue that it um, absolutely was. As she was trying to understand, as the superintendent described, kind of what is the root cause um, that's at work here. And then finally, the fifth um, criteria wasn't current focused or not. Was the focus was the question focused on current performance and the past actions that created them, or was the question focused on future performance and the future actions that will create them? Was this uh, question current focused or not? Yes. Yes. Uh, I didn't hear folks. Yeah, it, it really was. She was really trying to understand um, what has what thoughtfulness has gone into arriving at where we are. She wasn't asking, you know, what's your theory for what you need to do next? It was, you know, what's, what has been your theory for how we got here now? And so I would say that that question meets all five indicators. 
Um, does anyone have reflections on the answer that was given? Uh, so I am representing the Office of Superintendency well. <laughs> Demerit. Demerit. <laughs> Any other reflections on the response? I forgot what the question was by the time the talking was over, personally. Well, I will, I will say I appreciated the, the additional data analysis that was done to come up with that potential the fact that so many of the students there was one of the data points that determined that the more students who were below grade level in a classroom could actually impact the overall scores and, and closing the gap right yeah so one of the things that i was uh, intentionally trying to accomplish in that response is getting you used to a superintendent who is actually able to articulate a rationale and point you to data behind that rationale. This is where it really separates out your administrations. Now, fortunately, you all have a secret weapon in Ritu who um, of large school system uh, folks in her role is probably in the top 10. Uh, and that I, I suspect you all are going to get some very fairly powerful analysis that's uh, brought forward by the superintendent's team. But if you don't, you should, you should demand it. You should expect it. Um, it's not enough for the superintendent to have opinions about why things are or aren't working. The superintendent should bring data uh, to back it up. Here is our theory. And in this particular monitoring report, I explicitly put the theory um, in the document. Um, and so when asked about the theory, I just explicitly referenced it. This is something you want to get good at. Uh, any other thoughts or questions about this first question before we go to the second one? Um, for the superintendent's response, should we expect it to stay a little bit more direct of an answer to the question? Because I think the information was useful but didn't necessarily answer Commissioner Wiseman Ward's question specifically. Uh, so anytime you feel like you don't have an answer from the superintendent, push. Um, the superintendent does have an obligation to provide you responses that are understandable to you and that are reasonably understandable to uh, to your uh, community who might be listening. And so if that doesn't happen, for, so for example, um, if they verge into kind of technocratic speak, you know, this jargon-laced edgy speak, you should shut that down and say, actually, give that to me again, but this time explain it. Um, you know, at a level that I'll actually understand it. <laughs> uh, that is always appropriate, uh, not merely to insist upon, but to expect. Other reflections on the first question before we move to the second? Can I just ask the, if the last part is preparation and participation, can you just walk us through what that's for? Um, uh, which part? It's on the oh, um, yes, so essentially, um, on the rubric, the monitoring conversation evaluation rubric, at the bottom of it, there's a section about preparation and participation. And essentially what it's reflecting on is if you don't prepare in advance, um, and if you don't, and if any of the eight of you uh, don't participate, um, then you are really failing your students. Um, and that's reflected in you having an automatic score of zero um, rather than whatever other score might be revealed here. And so the bottom line is, 
It's not okay to sit out monitoring. If you care about your children, you actually have to demonstrate it through your actions. You actually have to participate in this conversation that is explicitly about their performance and how the district is responding to their performance. Um, but you also have to be prepared. You have to do the work in advance to uh, have read the monitoring report and submitted questions in advance. It's not okay to try to wing it. Oh, I'm clever. I can just um, come up with questions on the fly when I get there. That is not honoring your students. Um, and so that's what that section participate, preparation and participation is about. Um, and this is a bad habit that a lot of board members across the country demonstrate. You all, uh, you all will be stronger than that. You will do your homework in advance. And, um, but if you don't, when we come to evaluate that, at some point, I or whoever's facilitating will ask the question, please raise your hand if you read this in advance. And hopefully all seven will raise your hand. And they'll ask a question, please raise your hand if you submitted questions to the superintendent uh, in advance. And hopefully you'll all raise your hand. Um, and then hopefully you will all participate. And if you're doing those things, then you're really demonstrating as a team our collective commitment to what's possible for our students. So that's what that section's about. Thank you. At least. Okay. Okay. At least. Um, General Counsel Hawk is in here, so I'm not sure if anybody knows the answer to this question, but as student delegates, we're basically like public people who sit on the board, so we're not like privy to private information. And so are we allowed to have the agenda before it's actually posted, or do we have to like wait to be emailed the agenda when it is posted so we have adequate time to prepare questions? Uh, so I don't know what is legal in California because I'm not that person either. Uh, I will tell you at other districts uh, that are working with uh, student uh, representatives on the board um, that when we do this work, they the student representatives are treated just like the uh, other board members and that they receive the information in advance so that they can also prepare in advance. Now, again, if there are legal limitations to that in California specifically, then my coaching is you need to follow that. Uh, but if if it does not create a piercing of privilege uh, that creates some type of legal liability uh, for the district, um, then I'd say go for it. In most states uh, that I've worked in, that would not pierce um, um, that that would not pierce uh, confidentiality that uh, student board members would be considered um, inside the circle of trust for anything that the board chose to include them on but you will need to verify that uh, with your attorney thank you but I, yeah but I, I would say i mean you should you know we so we're publishing regular board meeting agenda items 12 days in advance but even workshops we said workshops you're typically you're not typically making taking action so the, um, but we said you should still get it the 72 hours in advance. And this one, you know, AJ already said, we, we published the goal, the, the two of the documents ahead of time for the reading, so there's still plenty to do. But then we were just still working on the mock um, report, and that didn't, get, that didn't get uploaded until later. Yeah. yeah, you should have them in time. And if not, question. Yeah. No, just real quick, are we supposed to submit questions in advance if we have technical questions oh, yeah. so yes if you have technical advance, and tactical questions definitely submit those in advance okay. Okay. so that's how you can see it maybe the three days a little earlier that's correct to, in order to submit questions at least three days in advance that means you will have needed uh, all of the materials more than three days in advance yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. And I think 
I think we just need to get in the rhythm of things. So all, all I ask is that there's a little, uh, that there's just some understanding as we're working towards this. So for example, uh, I'm gonna, well, I don't know, Judson, put Judson, uh, but like, I appreciate Judson was, you know, we, we have a parent advisory report next meeting. So like, wait, we didn't tell the parent advisories they should be getting their reports in 12 days in advance. Now they might have, did they? They did not. Okay, but we're still gonna do it because we realized like, oh, that was our, like we're getting used to this. <laughs> I've been talking with staff and at cabinet, we were, you know, just putting together a calendar, but we did realize, oh wait, we need to have advisory committees know that as well, and I don't have staff meetings with them, so they didn't know. So just knowing it's gonna take a couple meetings, you know, probably the rest of the year, we're still gonna be working out the kinks. But I hear what you're saying, that getting these ahead of time would be more helpful. Then we just gotta see what data we're looking at because <coughs> when we're giving our assessments might affect when we could provide the monitoring report. So we gotta map that out when we, when we do the full progress monitoring calendar. Let's go to the, let's go to the second question. Uh, go ahead and read the second question again and we'll check is it data, learning, inquiry, strategy, and current focus. Um, so it was a clarification question. Um, what does effectively deploying science of reading mean? How is, how is high fidelity of implementation defined? Um, how are teachers supported and trained? And is the curriculum instruction consistent across classrooms and sites? All right. So first question, uh, is that question data focused? Did it reference specific data within the report? Yes. yes. I'm sorry, say what? Yes. yes. What data in the, did it reference in the report? I think it. The data on fidelity of implementation. Science of reading implementation fidelity score. Gotcha. All right. Next is learning focused. Is the question focused on understanding rather than sharing opinions? She actually did a phenomenal job here. It would be very easy to make that an opinion-laden question. She did not. <laughs> um, next is it inquiry focused. Is it open-ended? Yes. Is it strategy focused? Is it about strategic issues rather than technical or tactical? That was one of the reasons I was asking about the technical questions because I had a similar question, but I was like, I feel like the first part of your question was technical or something. I was trying to understand the strategy. Yeah, right. yeah was by being asking clear about on the, the yeah. strategy that was being put forward. Yeah, but it was. I feel like it was a technical question about the strategy. Yeah. Yeah. So I would not describe that as a strategic question at all. Um, I would describe that as a very valuable question, and because she submitted it in advance of the meeting, that's even better. Uh, she did email that out to your mock superintendent in advance. So when you have technical and tactical questions like that, still ask those, but just make sure to submit them in advance so that you can get an answer back from your superintendent in advance. That's part of the reason you wanna ask things at least three days out so the superintendent has chance to respond to your technical and tactical questions um, in writing in advance of the meeting so that the focus in the conversation can be on strategic. My guess is had she been served by a competent superintendent who got her answers to the questions that she submitted in advance, I, wasn't, I did not demonstrate competence in this affair, um, that instead of asking 
that question, she actually would have then taken the information from that and been able to ask a more strategic question. Okay, so can I ask a clarification question for that? So for the questions that we all are sending in advance, then would we all get to see the questions and answers that have- Yes, so all the questions that are submitted in advance, you'll have a specific deadline by which they need to be in, and then the superintendent will gather those, come up with answers for those, and then at a defined time, send that document with everyone's questions and everyone's answers out. My coaching to your superintendent, don't include people's names. So uh, we stay as far away from potential Brown Act violations as possible. Um, but a final listing um, as a one-way distribution that says here are all the questions I received and here are all the answers. Um, and that that is a public document, you know, that the community can see the questions and answers as well. All that should happen in advance of you ever showing up at the board meeting. I mean, I guess I didn't realize, sorry, I, I, I guess as we're talking, you know, when, when first putting together the workshops, I mean, you know, I, I guess, yeah, I didn't realize the, uh, this is good practice. This is why we're practicing this for all of us. This is why we're doing the role play. Um, yeah, I guess we really need to follow, we should just follow the same, same process because yes. it's, um, yeah, because then we already have timelines for when specific questions and when to provide a response. And it's less and confusing. Yeah. Yeah. We're not yeah. like, oh, is this a worksheet meeting? Because yeah. some of it's like today we had something that wasn't a workshop. Right. So did that get noticed? You know what I mean? Just, yeah, just keep it 12. Keep it 12. Okay. <laughs> is it possible for us to set an earlier deadline for when questions need to be submitted and also set an earlier deadline for when Superintendent Wayne needs to respond so he has adequate time to get through mm -hmm. the obviously like lots of questions that the board is able to come up with and then also for us to read them. I think the 12 day yeah. gives that. It's embedded in that. Yeah, but like 12 days for us to ask questions. No, 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 no. The no. 12, it, it, by publishing 12 days in advance, we'll make sure you have the schedule. No, I mean the, like when do you have to submit? Yeah, so then the, you have to, you for, for between like 12 days, day 12 and day eight. Okay. You yeah. have four days to ask the questions. I have like three days to respond and then, then everything gets published final draft. So we would find it was so we'll share that with you. Yeah, you don't have um, until the end of the board meeting. Okay, That's that's the, the publishing. Yeah. Sorry, go ahead, AJ. Uh, and then finally, was it current focus? Did it focus on current performance um, based on past actions, or did it focus on future performance based on future actions? Yeah, it's definitely current uh, focused. Um, and so, again, I consider this a really solid question, uh, but because it was more uh, tactical in nature or more technical in nature, then I would encourage it to be submitted in advance um, so that the strategic questions that it implies can be asked at the board meeting. Um, now, on, on my response to this, there's something really important that I want to lift up about um, what I was trying to do with the response to this. Um, so any reflections on the response before I offer what I was trying to do or what I was trying to model? I had a reflection. I, I yeah. was expecting you to talk about students. And it was very, like, the teacher part of it, but I was, I was ex expecting effectively deploying science of reading to at some point connect to what you're seeing in the classroom with the students. I don't know. And yeah. You didn't, you didn't also answer who's currently being served and how widely it had been deployed either. Yeah, so there, there are two things uh, that happened here. Uh, thank you for being with us this evening. 
There are two things that happened here that are really important uh, that I want to lift up. Um, one of those is that in response to, is that um, in my attempt to role play a superintendent, I explicitly named that there were technical aspects of this question that I was not going to try to answer right now. Um, when did I tell you all that I would get you those answers? This is what I recommend your superintendent do. If you want technical and tactical questions answered, don't expect that the superintendent is going to know them on the spot. That is not, that is not what you pay him to do. Um, you do pay him to know the strategy on the spot. Any strategic questions, he should always be prepared to respond to. But technical and tactical, what I will coach him to do is to recognize that they are technical or tactical in nature and promise to answer them in full, but at a date certain in the future and only respond to any strategic um, implications they might have but not to, not to try to wing it with technical and tactical conversations at the board meeting. So that's the first thing that I want you to take away from that. The second thing that I want you to take away from that um, is that you want your superintendent in any conversations like this, never to indulge in blaming teachers, never to indulge in blaming students, never to indulge in blaming uh, uh, parents, you know, families or anything of that nature. So in my response, uh, does anyone recall uh, who I highlighted need to change their adult behavior? Central office. The, what I said is, what it means is we haven't cleared barriers out of their way and we haven't provided them supports. We need to do a better job of that. That was the crux of the answer that I gave. This is a really important point. The moment monitoring becomes an opportunity for the superintendent to pass the buck um, and blame your families, your community, your teachers, uh, your students, like monitoring is failing. Um, and so you really wanna listen for that. Is a superintendent looking at what is the, what are the things that um, I have to do differently, that my team has to do differently to better support our teachers, to better support our campuses? Or is the superintendent saying, well, you know, if these teachers just work hard enough, you know, if we had the right kids, you know, if these kids actually showed up and they weren't so poor, then, you know, we'd be, we'd be better off. The moment you get into anything in that, you know, you are in the danger zone. And, um, and frankly, as a board, that gives you valuable information about the performance of your chief executive. Um, and so when you're looking at superintendent performance, listen closely. Is our superintendent focusing on what uh, the administration can do to better serve uh, students, uh, families, and teachers? Or is the administration um, focusing on blaming them um, for being in a system that has not, hasn't provided them with the supports they need? Any questions about this point? This is a really important point in monitoring. Any questions about this? Can I? Yes. <laughs> and now, I actually, I'd say that 75% uh, in jest, but 25%, I, uh, one of the questions I was going to ask was like on one of your, the, one of the strategies you put when I was in the board meeting. And I guess part of what was serious is like, because one of the strategies was, is, was around uh, redeploying people, right? And sometimes when we try to make moves like that, you know, those people who get redeployed will come to the board and, and say this wasn't fair, da-da-da-da, and like, you know, so I was going to say, 
you know, I, some, something that go, go down that road. So, uh, so I'd say 75% in jest, I feel like we, we no, need to take no. so, But if there is a, an area where I feel like the board's a barrier, do I get to say that? Yes, and that's why at the very end of this document where it talks about some of the strategic pivots it's going to make, you explicitly highlight we expect results from the conversations to impact the SY2324 budget proposal. What you were clearly signaling to the board in that moment is the only way we make a move on this is we're going to have to make some adjustments of personnel and we're going to have to make some adjustments of dollars. If we then get to the budget and the board says, no, we're not comfortable making those, then yeah, you do bring that back and say, here's what it's going to take to accomplish this. If you all are saying no to the, to the strategies, it's fine, but you need to understand the cost to children uh, from these particular decisions. That is absolutely an appropriate back and forth for the board and the superintendent to have during a monitoring conversation. Any other questions on this point? This is, uh, I'm, I'm glad we're, this is why we have this conversation to clarify this very thing. All right, then let's, uh, let's look at the third question and then we'll start to wrap this thing up. Uh, what was the third question? Oh, okay. Well then, okay, then we will, then we will um, go ahead and wrap it up here. Um, but as a way of, oh yeah, go for it. Between goal one and goal one point three, and if you had any ideas on what would explain the difference between the two. Yeah. So um, somebody tell me, uh, data focused, yes or no? Yes. Yes. Learning focused, yes or no? Inquiry focused, yes or no? Yes, yes. Strategy focused, yes or no? Yes. She was hoping to get strategy from the mm, yeah. superintendent. Is that a fair delineation? I'm, just, I'm checking in with folks. I, I didn't hear a whole lot of voices. Strategy focused, yes or no? I would absolutely say it was strategy focused. Um, current focused, yes or no? Yes. yes. Yeah, um, uh, I, I, th I think it was. Um, and so, yeah, this, your student board members are performing at a very high level. Um, so uh, make sure you give them that praise when you see them since they're already gone. Um, so as a way of wrapping up this monitoring practice, uh, I, I just want to go around the table and give each person kind of what's something you'll learn or what's something you'll take away from this practice. Uh, the floor is open um, and make it a, a sentence, not a paragraph. What's something you'll learn or something you'll take away from this practice? I can go. Um, I think the importance of the question process building upon itself um, to kind of get more refined and to really help kind of flesh things out and to separate between um, the tactical, technical, um, and strategic and kind of the, the balance of that um, yeah. the process and kind of where each of them exist and should live and kind of the different places uh, they should be occurring. Um, and Judson, do you have access to that technical, tactical, strategic document still? Yeah, if, if you might send that out after this or add it to the uh, board docs, that might be helpful for folks. 
Certainly, it's already on board docs, but we can yeah. send it out as well. Oh, excellent. Thank you. All right, who else? What's one thing you'll take away from this? Um, we need to ask relevant questions and not pontificate. <laughs> Indeed. Yeah. question certainly okay um, so is the expectation that for every question that the board a board member asked that we're going to tally um, use the tally sheet and then essentially grade ourselves um, at the board table no um, but the first few times will me and my team uh, do this and give you some of your tallies okay. absolutely in fact we have a lovely spreadsheet and we track every single question, we code every single one, and then we'll provide that back to you. <laughs> yeah, do we get a grade report? Yes, and it actually renders a specific percentage effectiveness of your uh, monitoring conversation. So for example, with my board, um, I just sat down with my uh, board vice chair on Monday and we went through all the questions on our last monitoring conversation. And normally we handle business, but for this, for whatever reason, at our last monitoring conversation, our score wound up being 68% when normally we're like hanging out in the eighties or something. And both of us looked at each other's like, yeah, we need to, we need to step this game up a little bit. Um, and so, yes, you will have a very specific score that indicates the level of effectiveness of your monitoring. Um, anyone else, uh, before we wrap up, what, what will you take away? What's something you learned from the session? Anyone else before we wrap up? Well, I appreciate the technical, tactical, strategic, and you know, understanding what we should expect the superintendent to answer on the spot, being the strategic, but really needing to provide the opportunity to do more research for the technical and tactical, which is why we need to be asking those in advance and not on the spot. Yeah. Anyone else? I'm, oh, I am just appreciating that we should expect to be given data that ties to the strategies and the tactics and the technical nature, and therefore we are um, given the opportunity to hold ourselves accountable um, and the superintendent accountable because we actually have information we've been able to review collectively. That's correct. For this particular um, practice monitoring report, the superintendent is clarifying, we think that our scientific literacy curriculum is important. We think fidelity of implementation of it is important. And we think providing more supports to targeted schools with certain demographics is important. Those are all things that are now fair game to ask about the next time this monitoring report comes up. These are not isolated conversations. Uh, these are accumulated conversations. Um, so, uh, was there somebody else? I felt like there was one other person trying to say something. Oh, I was going to ask a question. Is there time for that? Yeah, uh, and then we'll close out. Um, I was wondering if you could, AJ, speak just a little bit to this thing on to accept the monitoring report or not, based on the three questions. Does reality match the yep. vision? Is there growth for the vision? Is there a strategy? 
Yeah. So there is. So this gets to, in the middle of the effective mon goal monitoring document. That's where he's reading from. There's a section that says after goal monitoring, do we accept the monitoring report or do we not accept the monitoring report? So what this is really getting at is each of these monitoring reports are essentially a formative evaluation of your superintendent. And so when you are accepting the monitoring report, you are making a statement about your superintendent's performance. Now, the statement you're making isn't, we like what the data tells us. That's, that's not what it is. Like for this particular monitoring report, performance is well below where we expected it. And so to accept this monitoring report isn't to say that we like or agree with where it is. It is to say that we believe it is an accurate representation of where we're at, and we believe that the superintendent has adequately responded uh, to the realities in it. Um, namely, that the superintendent offered some type of plan for what to do in response to the data. And so the three questions to ask uh, when determining should we accept it or not isn't around do we like the data, or it's not even around do we agree with the superintendent's recommendations. You know, the questions are, you know, does reality for our students match the vision, match the goals? Um, right now, the reality for our EL students does not, in fact, uh, match the vision. Okay, so if it doesn't, is there at least growth toward the vision? Well, fortunately, the data does show some growth in the direction, but just not nearly enough. And then third, is there a strategy and plan sufficient to cause growth toward the vision? If you believe uh, that you know, one of these things is accurate, uh, that, that it, even if reality doesn't match the vision and even if there's only a little bit of growth, is a strategy sufficient to cause growth? If you find that to be the case, then you all are obligated to accept it as a way of suggesting on a formative basis that the superintendent is leading in the direction that you intend. For you to not accept this monitoring report would be to say either we think that the data is inaccurate, we think that you've given us inaccurate data, or we don't believe that you have effectively uh, sufficiently responded to what the data is telling us. Um, that is a fairly significant statement for the board to make, but if that is true, then that's a statement you should make, then you should vote not to accept it. Later on, when it comes time to do the annual evaluation, the annual evaluation is the accumulation of all of the monitoring reports from the, from the previous um, uh, evaluation period. And so any monitoring report that you accepted or didn't accept, that is all a part of the annual evaluation conversation when you get to it. Now, the benefit is you're not having, you're not waiting 12 months to have an evaluation conversation. You're having a slice of that every single month. Um, and in that slice, each month you get to decide Either we accept it because we believe that it's accurate and the superintendent has a strategy sufficient to try to cause an inflection in the data, or we don't accept it because either we believe it's not accurate or the superintendent um, has not proposed a strategy sufficient to inflect the data. Uh, is that responsive to your inquiry? It is. Thank you. Can I ask a quick question, though, about that? Yeah. So, so what would be sufficient in my mind would very often depend on how specific it is as well, right? We have some great overarching goals, but fidelity of implementation depends on specificity a lot of times. But then I think we, we run the risk of, of veering out of strategic and into technical and tactical, right? So 
where do we draw those lines? Yeah, so the, the superintendent in this moment has an obligation. This is much like the conversation we had about the budget. In this moment, the superintendent has a proactive obligation to be convincing to you that the strategy he's putting in place is sufficient to be responsive to getting the data uh, to match up with the board's expectations. Um, and the, the key thing about this is it does require a level of uh, intellectual and emotional maturity on the part of board members because the, the threshold for sufficiency can't be I like the strategy. Um, the threshold for non-sufficiency can't be, I don't like the strategy. Um, the threshold has to be, has the superintendent laid out a plan and has given us some evidence of why it's sufficient uh, to address. So, um, so to use this particular practice monitoring report, what are some things that the, um, that the, play superintendent in this scenario, as you look at the monitoring report, what are some things that the superintendent provided you to try to uh, speak to this issue of sufficiency um, and strategy? What, what are some things that were provided to you? So even if you disagree with the superintendent's approach, even if you disagree with the superintendent's strategies, their theory, even if you disagree with all of that, what are some things that the superintendent put into this monitoring report to try to evidence sufficiency? Yeah, so there's this actual uh, tactical element of it. It's saying we know that if we're going to provide better supports for teachers, some of that's going to be training where they're going to need to be able to leave the classroom and so that we need substitutes for that. Some of that is in some of our uh, highly effective, our most effective teachers um, being uh, stipend to leave the classroom and go <laughs> teachers elsewhere, but that, that means they'd need a substitute. Um, and so just acknowledging that in order to implement this, you know, we're really going to have to put additional resources that you might not have thought about, let you know that I've thought about it, and I'm prepared to make that movement in our budget. Yeah, that's, that's, that's exactly an example of something that was explicitly put in there to try to get at, here is how you all should feel comfortable that I am sufficiently addressing the needs um, uh, to improve uh, to improve performance for our students, but that that is the that is the analysis that you all are making every time you do a monitoring report. Has the superintendent convinced me? And it's not your job to be convinced. It's the superintendent's job to be convincing. Has the superintendent convinced me that uh, he has a strategy sufficient to pursue um, uh, pursue uh, accomplishment of the interim goals? In this case, the interim goal. Yeah. I just want to ask Dr. Khan and Dr. Priestley um, any thoughts that you'd like to share with us about this goal monitoring process as you are also developing the team's kind of muscle and processes. Sure. Um, I think for me what was great about the report was seeing implementation and impact data. So I felt, you know, when you looked at both implementation and impact data, the conversation was rich and the questions were more improved, I would say. I would say um, I really appreciate, I 
I really appreciate the thoughtful questions from the board. I think having the questions in advance that we can answer and really focusing on the strategy and the conversation is really helpful. I think part of our role is to support the superintendent in delivering the strategy and make sure we're being really clear about our path and the work that we are engaging in and will be engaging in and um, getting feedback from the board around that. So I, I certainly think there's a lot of opportunity here um, for us to all get better in this work together. Um, with that, um, yeah, Madam Chair, I just uh, wanna thank the board. Um, you all demonstrated a really high level of uh, goal monitoring inquiry during the session. Um, I, you all continue to demonstrate that your folks should do your homework. That is not a given. I work with many of the boards who struggle to um, read things in advance or prepare in advance. This continues to be a real strength for you all. And so I'm just grateful for how seriously you took uh, this role play and, and how seriously you take the work of improving student outcomes uh, across all 125 some odd campuses that you all ultimately support throughout the city and county. Um, Madam Chair, back to you. Thank you. Um, I do wanna um, open up Thank you, President Lamb. We have seven in-person um, cards. I'm gonna call five up at a time, so please come stand at the uh, podium when you're ready. Uh, Susan Ryan, Henry Cruz Carrillo, Danny, I'm sorry, I can't read the last name, Danny. Um, Lisbeth Caleros, Rebecca Flores. We'll, we'll start there. Superintendent Wayne and school board members. I am Susan Ryan, the proud co-principal of John O'Connell High School. And I'm here tonight on behalf of our community and also Galileo and SF Academy. As we do the daily work that you're talking about, right? How do we achieve equitable and excellent student outcomes for each of our kiddos, teenage kiddos? As principals, we take the issue of equity very seriously and we rely on supplemental district funding for critical supports for our most underserved students. And these are the exact students that I guarantee you will be identified in any progress monitoring report as struggling the most in SFUSD. School nurse positions are funded but not staffed at O'Connell, Galileo, and Academy, leaving us without the ability to support students with medical needs. We can't achieve student outcomes without addressing health disparities in our schools. And coming back from the pandemic, there are more mental health needs and physical health needs than ever before. The SFUSD Budget Office has refused to release the funds that are earmarked for nursing services to sites like ours with nursing vacancies. If we had the money that already is set aside to go to nurse salaries, we could pay for community clinics, wellness supplies for students, and extra hours for the staff filling the gap. We urge you tonight to release school nurse funding to sites with vacancies. This is a cost-free, community-based strategy, I learned that tonight, to improve student outcomes. Thank, Thank you. you. 
So reminding the public, every speaker has one minute. Uh, hello, my name is Henry Cruz. I'm a junior at General Cornell High School. And every week I've been asking my principal, where is my, our school nurse? And the reason of that is because as an athlete, we get injured and instead of getting medical attention, we get sent home and my family doesn't have time to take me to, to take me to get medical attention. Uh, for many students at General Corner High School, the wellness is the first place they go when they need medical attention. We don't have a school nurse and we don't have a funding. How can we help our students? Okay. Hi, I'm Deidreana Lomax. I'm a resident physician with UCSF, and I'm going to read this comment <clears throat> on behalf of Danny Landaverde. He's a student at John O'Connell. Um, so I'm here tonight to ask you to provide the funding so that our school can take care of basic medical needs as we were able to when we had a school nurse. Without a school nurse, students have been sent home even for small scrapes. I've missed almost 10 days of school this year for medical situations that a school nurse would have been able to take care of and keep me in school. So thank you for listening and I really hope you do consider providing funding so we can get a nurse or pay for nursing services at our school. Good evening, families, community, and members of the board. My name is Lisbeth Calleros, and I am the wellness coordinator at John O'Connell High School. I've had the privilege of serving San Francisco youth and families with SFUSD since 2015. I am also a public school parent and San Francisco resident. I'm here on this cold, wet evening after three hours, instead of being with my kids at home doing the bedtime routine, um, to ask for your support. As you know, there are currently several schools district-wide that have been without any nursing support all school year. It is bewildering that after a pandemic, we do not have adequate medical support to offer our students. As a wellness coordinator, I am often juggling between multiple roles. We, don't, we didn't have a therapist or nurse at the beginning of the school year, so that meant I had to respond to first aid needs as well as youth and families in crisis, all on top of coordinating a wellness center. There are students with serious physical health conditions that are overlooked and underserved. Students with overdue 504 plans, transfer students and freshmen who need accommodations, vision and hearing screenings. Our central nursing staff are stretched far too thin and we have to protect them too. Our families deserve better, we deserve better. And at John O'Connell High School, we've been working nonstop to creatively meet the needs of students. And through collaborations with community partners, we hope to work together to bring this much needed medical service to our students. Thank you. So, for this reason, we're looking for ways to temporarily co collaborate with community partners and medical providers that have existing MOUs with SFUSD. Please release those funds from the nurse that haven't been used within our school district to support these needs. Thank you. Good evening, board members and community. My name is Rebecca Flores and I am a former family liaison at John O'Connell High School. I have worked at John O'Connell High School and in the school district for 15 years. John O'Connell is considered a high potential school that serves students from many historically underserved communities and are primarily Latinx and African American. I have worked closely with wellness and the nurse. I can personally tell you that we have served approximately 90% of our students. 
I currently work at the Office of Anti-Racism and Equity in the Population Health Division at the Department of Public Health. We can all agree that one of the dimensions of good health is having access to health care. For many students at O'Connell, this access is crucial. SFUSD speaks of anti-racist practices. Having a vacant nurse position is not inequitable, but not releasing funds for the vacant nurse positions at the schools with high needs is inequitable. The students want, the student outcomes we want are good health and wellness for our students so that students can be academically successful. Please release these funds immediately and put your money where your mouth is. Anti-racist practices. You've kept us waiting for three hours and we're here and we're not going to go away. I have, I have two more cards, um, Jen Moran and Manuel uh, Tapia, I believe. Hi, good evening, everybody. Um, my name is Jen Morin. I'm the organizational director of Community Well. We're a community-based organization in District 11 that provides holistic health, education, and healing services, um, prioritizing historically underserved communities and youth. We also have an existing MOU with uh, the district. Ms. Ryan and I met a few weeks ago to discuss bringing our services um, particularly Spanish-speaking holistic practitioners to support the students at John O'Connell. Having culturally competent mental health and other supports is so important, and it's pretty much non-existent at John O'Connell and other schools at this time. So I'm here today to add my voice to the John O'Connell contingent and ask for the immediate release of their school nurse funding so that essential student supports can be put into place and help our students uh, do well academically as well. Thank you. Good evening, board. Um, my name is Manuel Tapia. I'm a faculty physician at UCSF for the Department of Family and Community Medicine. I also serve on the SFUSD Career Pathways Advisory Board. And for the last seven years, I've had the honor of being a community partner and industry champion with John O'Connell High and their Health Behavioral Sciences Lab, um, mainly working on work-based work opportunities uh, for internships for youth. It's not lost on me how many naive conversations I've had with youth about nursing school applications or medical school processes when they look at me blankly and they can't wrap their head around the conversation because of their own bouts with illness, their own crises at home and their own barriers to access to care. The fact that we don't have these nursing, we have these nursing vacancies, it's, it's not acceptable for UCSF to have to come in on a voluntary basis once a week. We need a continuity thread and the nursing colleagues are the answer to stand with our wellness champions like Lizbeth and Christina. Um, so thank you for hearing me. We urge you to lead with those values of social justice, meeting these marginalized students who are representing some of the most marginalized in your district, meeting them where they are. That's truly being student-centered. Thank you for your time. That concludes in person. Thank you. That will conclude our public comments. Via virtual. Yeah, Dr. Wayne. Um, <coughs> Yeah, you know, uh, is there a better microphone? There is, and you should, uh, yeah. Do you want to try? I'll just move over my chair. Um, 
No, I want to speak to the, you know, we just spoke earlier about uh, when we were talking about our calendar, and I want to take full responsibility for the fact that this is ex the kind of example that really needed, it should not be talked about at a board meeting, needed to have been addressed. I, I see there's been outreach, and I will make sure that there's follow-up and, and communication. And so, um, you know, I, I, I think earlier someone talked about accountability is opportunity for learning. There will be a, a lesson that we learn to make sure, because, yeah, the, the, this, this is not where this needs to be addressed. So I'll make sure there's a follow-up and a follow-up in the BOE weekly. Thank you. Please raise your hand if you okay. care. Oh, oh, I, I thought you oh. said that it wasn't. Oh, there, there, I didn't announce. Well, we There's didn't no hands raised. We didn't ask. Oh, okay. Please raise your hand if you care to speak to the workshop on student outcomes. We will ha uh, each speaker will have a total of one minute. Can we please have that repeated in Spanish and Chinese? Buenas noches, por favor levante su mano si usted tiene alguna opinión basada en el curso. Gracias. Thank you. Thank you. There are no hands raised. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> These chairs? 